0: to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae.
1: Joe, it's it's just the what thing I've been waiting for for months and months and months. You finally, a couple weeks ago, started to let me talk about high school football on the podcast, but now we're actually on a game week, and I just couldn't be more excited. But uh, to celebrate that excitement, we're going to do what we've done these last couple of years is uh, bring Matt Hatfield on to start off the podcast and uh, get us previewed, you know, statewide on football. We, we focus on Augusta County and what, ha- what happens up and down 81. But uh, obviously, Matt Hatfield, as all of our listeners have heard uh, nine times previous, so this being the 10th time, uh, knows everything about everywhere and probably knows the same stuff we know about our teams, but also knows the same details across the state. So, Matt, thanks for coming on from uh, Virginia Preps. Thanks for you know, uh, you're one of our best, you know, re- re- repeating guests, best guest overall, but you come in with details that just amaze me. So I'm, I got my notes ready. I got my pen ready. I'm, I'm ready to sound smart on Friday when I just copy everything you say. So.
2: Well, thanks again for having me, Joe and Leland and Leland, this is Merry Christmas to you in August. So Joe doesn't have yes, like a Christmas present. You've already gotten it now with football starting here That's and, right. and just, uh, you got you get a couple of Fridays of football, I think, before we turn it to September, right? Something like that. Now the that yeah, going we to got to start, we
1: got this right? Friday and next Friday, and mm-hmm. and then and then we get to the postseason and or not postseason, the uh, fall month of September. But yeah, it's going to be fun starting this Friday, and we got good matchups on this side of the state. You know, let's just kick it off uh, talking about Class One with obviously. Um, Well, not class one anymore, but we're going to start here. Uh, Riverheads won class one a year ago, but they move up to class two and and join the likes of, uh, you know, Graham, Appomattox, and teams that we're used to seeing at that level of state playoffs, but also Central Woodstock, who in the last two years made it to the state playoffs and last year played in that state game. And uh, Riverhead starts with Central Woodstock. And I would have to think from you sitting on the other side of the state, that still is... uh, kind of a highlight game happening throughout the Commonwealth.
2: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, guys, I was just telling someone to the day that in all my years of doing this, which is going on like 20 now of covering high school sports and football, specifically in the state of Virginia, I've never seen the schedule across all six classifications, just littered stockpiled with must-see matchups the first couple of weeks. I'd like to find one of those cloning devices so I could be in like seven or eight places at once. <laughs> I don't think that's in existence. I don't think that can happen. But you have games that are like that one, in particular Riverheads and Central Woodstock, where both are chock full of talented pieces back. you got some compelling games within the games. They could also be matchups that end up being rematches in the regional playoffs. A lot of times, regional championship, or in some cases, even the regional semifinals, depending on how regions go with seedings and if one team plays a tougher schedule, struggles and injury happens. So you have games that are going to be repeat matchups, and I'm always curious to see if you get a different outcome from what happens at the end of August, early September than what you might have in the middle to end of November around Turkey day weekend. So uh, it's compelling class one, class three and class five are all saying hallelujah because class one is saying hallelujah. The Riverheads is out of the way. It opens the door for a lot of teams, whether it be Honeacre, Grayson County, uh, Rye Cove, Essex, Sussex central, and the class one region a through region D with B and C as well. Class three ascendant sending out because Phoebus is one back-to-back. They're going up to class four. And class five is saying that, where Maury and Stonebridge could have their third chapter in five years because Highland Springs, a five-time state champ, moves up to class six. So I will boldly guarantee there will be at least three new state champs this year because we have to have at least three new state champs. There's my bold Charles Barkley guarantee, folks. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I like it.
1: Uh, you know, I was try- I'm, I'm highlighting that game. We'll probably talk about that game. A whole lot, but I want to talk about Class One for a second because you you say all these teams that are, are excited. Who who do you strongly lean with in that area? Who do you think has the best shot of taking advantage of uh, playing in Salem and actually bringing home a Class One state championship, like no team has it been able to do the last seven years?
2: Well, unlike years past where if you gave me Riverhead to the field, I'm picking Riverheads, I'll take the field in this case. <laughs> However, if you have to let me pick just one team.
1: One or two, narrow it well, down
2: for us. I'll give you a couple, but the one I would lean with the strongest would be Honeaker. Ty Teller, former coach at Ridgeview, has got uh, skill position players, about three to five of them that are really impressive. Uh, Aiden Lowe, who had 33 touchdowns, including eight in a game, is back. Peyton Music, who had over 2,000 yards passing, 27 touchdowns. He's returning an all-state receiver, and Parker Bandy's back. Uh, Defensively, they have about seven, eight starters back. There's some concern about depth, but I like them a whole lot. Now, in their own region, Patrick Henry Glade Spring has a player that Virginia Tech and some others are already recruiting in Tyler Barrett. He's a lineman who's just massive, really impressive. They've been in playoff voyages before as far as advancing, not getting all the way through to the state championship game. But you wonder if it's finally their time. Grayson County returns a whole lot of pieces, and a lot of folks have highlighted to me they're a team to pick and circle. Eli Gillespie's a do-it-all jack of all trades for them, so they're one to watch out for. In Sussex Central, though, one of their key guys got hurt in a preseason scrimmage. They bring it back eight or nine starters on offense. Their first game of the year is Essex, who they wow. could run into in the state semifinals, and they've played before in the same region. Uh, Essex has been a perennial contender. You say they got to be glad Riverheads is out of the way. Oh, well, yeah. they have no starters back on offense. Their starting quarterback is going to be a kid that started at center last year. Just three starters on defense. They lose Cam Robinson to UVA, Dorian Harris, their stud, running back to Morgan State. But Todd Jones, he wins. All he does is win. The guys had, I think, of their 16 double-digit win seasons at Essex, or 18 double-digit win seasons since 1993. 13 of them have been under Todd Jones. They haven't had a losing season since 2011. So – they're a program that you say is always in the conversation. So there's about four or five different schools you can look at and circle. Uh, GALAX, George With wouldn't rule them out. But the one I tend to like the most right now here on August 21st, Honeacre. Okay.
0: Well, that's interesting. And, you know, obviously we have one class one team. It's Buffalo Gap now. Um, and they're hoping mm-hmm. the Riverheads vacuum means that they can get into that state playoff. But uh, moving up to class two, Uh, You know, it's Graham obviously winning the championship rather decisively last season. Is that a team that you think when we're getting ready to talk state championships, we're going to be talking about Graham and the G-Men again? Or do you think it's going to be an Appomattox or maybe a Riverhead Central that gets in there?
2: For sure it's Graham. I mean, they bring back seven starters on offense. They bring back nine on defense. Tony Palmer likes this team a whole heck of a lot with that 2000 yard running back returning in Tydrez Clements. So it'll be interesting to see who is the the best running back in VA as far as the class two teams go. you got him, you got Caden Cook Cash at Riverheads. Uh, This Graham team is loaded. And this is a year where Union and Ridgeview could push them a little bit and they've done so in the past, but Ridgeview has a brand new starting offensive line for the, uh, big-time quarterback Ryan O'Quinn. Uh, Union can run the ball, but are they diversified enough on offense? Do they have the personnel on defense to slow down Graham with the tempo they operate and the athletes they have in total? I think the Graham O'Line's got a good rotation of bodies to stay fresh and open up holes for Tyrell Clem- Ty Clements. And then there's sophomore QB, and Dalton Roberts looks like he's going to be the real deal for them to have the balance they meet offensively. So I like them as the pick. In uh, 2C, I think Radford you have to attention to because Landon Clark had about 40 touchdowns last year. can run it. He's getting offers from Old Dominion and Maine. He's a terrific athlete. Appomattox, they've been there before. It's nothing new to them. But they did graduate a couple of their dynamic skill players. You know They don't have the same group that they had with Jonathan Penix and Tavorian and Copeland. So who's going to emerge as some of those home run hitters for them? And then I also would point to out of region 2C because you certainly look at them. Glenberg's a team on the rise. Uh, Brody Doyot at quarterback, Jack Camper at linebacker. They're a force to be reckoned with, and I think they're going to make some noise. So I think there's a couple of teams out there now. Appomattox has been their bugaboo here in recent years. So I think there's a few teams in 2C that can get there. 2B's pretty deep. 2A's got two teams at the top. You look at with King William and Pocosin. Give the slight nod to Picosin because King William's schedule out of the first five, six games, I mean, they play some – it's a murderer's row a schedule with Stewart's Draft, Clark yeah, County, Hanover, right Caroline. Yeah. Central Woodstock a few weeks down the road. I mean, they play three class four schools and they may be the softer of the game planer schedule. So they could have a five and five type of record and still be region favorite or co-favorite. So that's going to help whoever comes out of two b the favorites looking obviously like Riverheads and Central Woodstock. So um, does feel like a collision course with Riverheads and Graham. But I think Graham's just got a different level of talent and speed than everybody. And I think you have to start with them and it's probably the team to beat unless they have a rash of injuries or something unforeseen goes wrong.
1: (laughs) So very interested in there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy about Keen Williams uh, schedule. That's, that's something I hadn't really looked ahead, focused on them for this first game, but man, that's, that's going to be tough for them. Uh, Let's bump it up to class three. Like you said, Phoebus out of class three, up to class four, Uh, They beat Heritage last year in the state final. Uh, Christiansburg is an opponent that's going to be playing Riverheads this year, so our fans will be interested on what's going on with them. But what are you seeing um, from your view for Class
2: 3? Yeah, Christiansburg's going to be one of those teams in Region 3 to watch out for. They won it last year, got a huge offensive alignment in Carter Stallard from the Class of 2025, getting a lot of attention. The Blue Ridge Ridge District Offensive Player of the Year, Tanner Evans, is back as a dual-threat quarterback. They have a lot of good pieces for Coach Alex Wilkins and the Blue Demons there. Laura Balatot's always got massive, hulking offensive linemen to pave the way for their uh, – I think he's like a three- or four-year now starting quarterback, Chikari Nice. He's been there a long time for Botatot at QB. And then uh, watch out for Magna Vista, guys. They've got 18 starters back, nine on offense, nine on defense. They've always got speed. Uh, they got J.J. Spriggs back at running back, Simeon Moore quarterback, Joe Favaro rather quietly shh, likes his team a lot, he's saying – uh, they've won a couple of state titles before, um, even though I think people will point to Lake Taylor and Liberty Christian with some big-time name recruits on those rosters and veteran coaches like Hank Sawyer, um, who we sent our best to, lost his mom just recently, and also lost one of his longtime assistant coaches and coach Theo Ford. Um, and LCA's got Gideon Davidson, the Clemson recruit at running back. Um, there's going to be some teams that may stand in their way. In Lake Taylor's case, you got Lafayette and Hopewell in Region A. In Liberty Christian's case, and again, Light Lake Taylor, they don't go beyond 40 on their roster. You've got that Seminole district with the Heritage of Lynchburg, with Brookville to watch out for. Uh, so I think you're going to have some tests there. And 3B looks like it's a Brentsville district kettle run who moves down from Class 4 where they lost in the state championship to 3B. They play Brentsville regular season finale. Might see them again two or three weeks later in the regional playoffs. So Class 3 is pretty much up for grabs. I think you can go four or five different directions. Um, I think there's a lot of contenders, and that one's going to be a really topsy-turvy throughout the year because there are enough schedule games. Lake Taylor plays a team from New Jersey out of the chute. LCA's got Salem. Heritage of Lynchburg always plays tough people. Lord botata has got EC Glass. So your one, two, three, four, five teams in our rankings, and in a lot of people's rankings, aren't going to be undefeated. So I don't see a team going through this journey 15-0. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's That is interesting because normally when you get to the state championship, you're looking at a lot of undefeated teams. But, and and, you know, you mentioned 3D and you were listing those teams. I was like, goodness. So I had to pull it up. I was like, who are we not mentioning that is also good? And yeah, it's (laughs) that is a uh, stacked region over there in 3D. We talk about
1: 3C. All of our teams around here are 3C, (laughs) all the class three teams. And yeah, it's that's a like, top. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's the top whoever three. Whoever comes out of 3C is going to have their hands full. So. Well,
2: watch out for Turner Ashby. They're building and they have a lot of good yeah. pieces back. Micah Matthews has gotten a lot yeah. of attention this office. He's on the radar. Of some schools, baseball commits. South Carolina just got a UNC football offer, but they could be an eight, nine win team and not be the favorite yeah. just because you have those seminal teams. They're going to be physical, yeah. grind you out, and they will have been battle tested.
0: Um, Before we go off of class three, I. You know, I I know when we were talking basketball with you last year, especially after the state championships, we had asked you, you know, there were some grumblings from coaches about John Marshall and how they get players. Are are you hearing similar grumbles on the football side when it comes to LCA? Or is that something that's just not talked about?
2: Yes. Coaches will always uh, voice their opinion, whining complaint, if you want to call it that, uh, give you their input. I would do the same thing if I was a coach. Sure, and absolutely, they always uh, now some, a lot of that they what they tell you you can't print or put sure. it in writing because they'll come <laughs> at you with a pitchfork. Um, so I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. Yes, I've had coaches that certainly play them that that voice their, but again, I would say to people, if you were in LCA shoes, would you just put your hands behind your back and not say, "Well, we'll accept you, welcome you"? So you have to look at it from the standpoint of. This is what we have and they're not going to turn away a kid that wants to come there. Now, if you look at the dynamics of it, it's a little different than basketball. One or two or three guys in football can help you one or two or three guys in basketball. It can move you and shake you in a big, big way. So football wise, I do worry about their numbers in depth. And last year when Davidson got hurt, it affected them in their playoff run their title quest. So Uh, much like Lake Taylor, as I mentioned, they only have about 30 to 34 guys on a roster. Now, those first 8 to 12 guys, they're difference makers. They matter. I don't feel sorry for, oh, what was me? They have some guys. But if you get into that second unit, there are some really good coaches that, I mean, Brad Bradley at Heritage of Lynchburg has shown it. You get to that next wave of guys, and they're not quite at the same level, and that's been their advantage in some of those rematches or playoff encounters.
0: So... Moving ahead to Class 4 now, Dinwiddie, that was the champ last year. Kettle Run was a team that I know you were high on uh, mm-hmm. last season, and you've already mentioned EC Glass was another team in that state playoff in Class 4. Are we expecting to see similar names in Class 4? Are we going to see a little bit of a shakeup there?
2: Well, Dinwiddie's a defending champ, just played a team out of Ohio in Glenville who beat them 36-13. to That's Ted School. They're chock full of talent. I would not overreact to that. But Phoebus is the new kid on the block that won back to back class three state championships. And their defense is absolutely scary, bites your nails, like frightening if you have to game plan a scheme for them because they have about seven, eight starters back from a historic record setting defense led by the Maryland commit Anthony Redick, 21 sacks a season ago, and Tayshawn Stevenson, the old Dominion kid, on a commit on the other side of him at the edge rusher spot. Some good D-backs, good defensive line. They're physical. They'll play Oscar Smith game one. They'll probably run through the Peninsula District not playing a game within three or four scores unless Warwick, who's a team on the rise out of the Newport News area, gives them a game. Uh, Phoebus Dinwiddie feels like a potential state semifinal collision course. I don't see Phoebus getting a hard test in 4A. I do see Dinwiddie getting a test in 4B because you have Verina and King George with two dynamic receivers Back, and Chance Wiggins and Makai White, who are committed to Virginia Tech and Maryland, respectively, that can certainly uh, cause problems. Remember, they went to overtime last year. It was a back and forth Madden type of video game score in the uh, semifinals of the playoffs. I believe it was a region finals. But uh, 4C and 4D. 4C's up for grabs with Woodgrove, John Champ, Tuscarora. I lean with John Champ ever so slightly over Tuscarora even though Tuskegee has the 6'8 massive lineman going to Florida and Fletcher Westfall. And I lean with Salem over E.C. Glass. I think Jamar Lovelace is going to do a good job at Glass, the former William Fleming coach. But still a little bit of newness there. He's got to replace some key starters, and I think Salem has the motivation and the hunger plus the speed. A lot of those track athletes from last year's loss to Glass in the playoffs they're led by the Tennessee Commit, who's got world-class speed in Peyton Lewis and one of the best linebackers in America and Chris Cole. If their line play holds up and their quarterback is just able to manage the game and not make mistakes, I think Salem is playing in the state championship, likely against either Phoebus or Dinwiddie come December.
0: Do you think that A-B matchup is maybe a de facto state championship, kind of like we had talked about maybe with Riverheads? You know, their their biggest test for a while was in Region A in the state semifinals, not necessarily when they got to Salem.
2: It could be, but I think there's a bigger situation that we'll probably get to in Class 6 with Freedom in the Highland Springs that could exist, provided Highland Springs gets out of what I think is the toughest region in the state in 6A where they have five of our top ten teams in the state, including multiple uh, recent state champions in that region. So I think it's something the VHSL needs to assess and look at hard, especially for multiple sports. But here in football, when you get to the Final Four level, Joe, I think you need to just base them one through four like you would do the college football playoff. Give me the top four records or power ratings. I don't care about you're from A, you're from B, you're from C, you're from D, because we want two best teams, two most worthy teams off resumes in the state finals, not because you come out of this region or that region.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, just hearing you talk and just remembering how it kind of was last year with Class 4, I mean,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. when you you have a team like Phoebus maybe playing Dinwiddie in a state semifinal, it, it seems a... Like, it takes a little bit away from that matchup.
2: Well, it's going to be worse in Class 6 if we do get Freedom yeah. Highland Springs as the game of, of the of the universe or game of the century whatever <laughs> they want to dub it by then because they're both ranking the top 50 in America and they're both 13-0 and, and, and they're both uh, deemed unbeatable because they could be deemed that by December. And your 6C and 6D champ, God bless those teams, they could be fine outfits, well-deserving of being in the state championship, have worked hard with, you know, quality athletes. But if it ends up being a running clock margin score or lopsided like the last two have been at Old Dominion in Class 6 where Oscar Smith obliterated Madison and freedom torched Madison, then people will be saying, why can't we change the system? So that's you're going to have that chirp from people all over, you know, the, the nation on the Internet, social media, you name it. So people will complain about it, just like coaches complain about things, just like yeah. us media people complain about things. We always need something to complain and talk right, about. Right. And that will be something I'm sure from December.
1: So, you pretty much hit six, uh, uh, as least as, our, as far as our podcast is concerned. So, let's go back to five. You said Highland Springs move mm-hmm. out of five. Um, you know, what, what's left there? Who's licking their chops at, at, you know, taking up the mantle down there?
2: Well, two teams that have won it before and have also squared off. I think you're looking at a collision course come December with Maury and Stonebridge. Remember, they played two classic yep. games. Maury raced out in 2019 at Hampton University. Keandre Lambert Smith, who's now catching passes for James Franklin in the Big Ten at Penn State, was the star marquee attraction for them they held off a stonebridge rally 2021 you flash forward to all dominion where jacob thomas the multi sport super, superstar rolled to his left threw it across his body to the right and found zeke Wimbush, now a hokey for the game-winning touchdown pass in the final play and they rallied to beat maury what does chapter three potentially have in store now there are some teams that could stand in their way to keep that matchup from happening warwick king's fork nansman river and region b are all good programs on the rise, but I think Maury's got too much firepower. Green Run has played more the last two years. They're still loaded with talent. Brandon Williams has a great group led by Keelan Brody Adams, the maybe best receiver in the state committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, They're going to put up big numbers through the air. They have a massive offensive lineman in Tommy Walder, a defense that will get takeaways with Milt Ferguson, Knowledge, Harold, and company, Uh, but they have to beat Maury, just like whoever out of C and D – and sees a brand new region with Patrick Henry Roanoke, LC Bird, Matoka, Hermitage, probably your contenders. 5D with Independence and Briar Woods, quality programs out in Northern Virginia. Mike Burnett at Briar Woods has beaten Mickey Thompson before. But can you beat him now? Can you beat him when it matters yeah, in November? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's Stonebridge and Maury. It feels inevitable. Yeah. As much as we want to try to make cases and arguments for other teams, those two are pretty safe choices to go with. So
1: from, from your perspective, I mean, locally, you know obviously a lot of the talk centers around Riverheads and I, you can't talk about Riverheads without talking about King cook cash and what he's done. I mean, he's been a headline for Riverhead since he was a freshman in the spring of that weird 2021 time. And, and he's, he's been earning everything he has when people on your side of the state catch wind of him or ask you about, you know, who's this Riverheads kid that I hear about, you know, what are, what are you telling those people? Everybody here talks about him, you know, around the lunch counter but what are, what's being said about him across the state and what are your thoughts?
2: I think he's unique. I think he brings a different dimension than what you see at that level for sure. The, the unfortunate part is we can't clone him and take him and put him in a higher classifications. Those that have questions about what's his speed like, what's his hands out of the backfield, what type of things. You all see it. You see what a throwback football player it is, the way he brings it on you know, any position, any time on the field does whatever his team you know needs out of him. He's, he's selfless. You see what he has, but there's always the, even the college coaches question, does he have this? Does he have that? His production speaks for itself. His film speaks for itself. His durability speaks for itself. I mean, the kid that takes that kind of pounding and punishment and plays both ways that plays, you know, all the time. And I know not all the time because there are some blowouts where they're going to rest them. But the point of the matter is, is getting that many reps that matter and, and contributing the way he does. You wonder if they'll hold up, but his production is going to rank with some of the best players, not just running backs, but players in VHSL history. So I think he wants to go out in a bang. Now as Riverheads goes up to a higher classification and there are whispers, Hey, there's been some backs of classes that are really good. There was a kid at Ridgeview named Trent Atkins. He went to Toledo. He put up these numbers. Damon Claiborne just a couple of years ago scored 60 something touchdowns. Now at Wake Forest and the ACC. Oh, that guy down there at Bluefield, Tydress Clements. So I'm yeah. sure that Riverheads coaches and community are, are showing him these things. And you have to have that motivation, that drive to go be the best. And what do you want to go get to? So I'm sure as he goes out, you know, because his career's now coming to a close. It's not starting like it was a few years ago. How do you want to be remembered? Cementing his legacy is, I think, what people want to see this coming year. Because they've heard the name. And if you're living, maybe not in Riverhead's country, in Augusta County. If you're living in Tidewater, Nova, different parts yeah. of the state, you've heard the name. But now you're going to learn more and more about him, especially as they play you know, a different kind of schedule and they step up in weight class.
1: And and the thing is, I think he's already established to put himself on the mantle at Riverheads sure. and locally. So I, I do think this season for him not to, you know, try to put some kind of undue pressure on him. I mean it is the, you know, what does he mean to everybody else here? I mean, he, he's one state champion. He's won multiple state championships being the best player. So now it's kind of time to make his mark and, and see where that gets him. Um, you know, what's your – what's your outlook on like what kind of level school he's going at i'm not necessarily asking specific schools i know you know there's certain schools that you hear interest from and stuff like that but i even just you know i i say i think he could go you know jmu is a school i used to say knowing they've gone up to um full division one you know am am i still right to think that he could go somewhere like that and be successful or, or an equivalent somewhere else uh in the region or is that shooting too high or am I not shooting high enough?
2: No, I don't think it's unfair to say. I think we get caught up so much in football and basketball, even baseball to an extent of what level, what league, are you power sure. five? Are you FPS? Yeah. Are you FCS? Sure. Are you mid major high major? And I, I I'll take, you know, what his recruiting is going to remind me a little bit like Leland and, Joe, Leland and Joe is the kid I brought up last year from kettle run, Jordan Tapscott. Now remember Jordan Tapscott was committed to VMI. He had almost hundred catches. I had people from rivals There were national analysts There were college coaches and trying they got in late. They're like, who is this kid? Now he's at Virginia tech took him as a walk-on now that can happen one or two ways. He could be a kid that never sees the field at tech, or he could be on the depth chart starting within a year or two. So Cook cash could go to a situation where whether he's scholarship or not, it's what does he want? I think yeah. that's what it comes down to and what system scheme is going to fit him. Sometimes it's not about what level you are, go where you're wanted and where you're needed, where you feel like you are comfortable and you can make an impact. I don't wow. think we get caught up too much on whether that's JMU, ODU, Coastal Carolina, ACC, like Tech or UVA, or even a Division II school, Division III school, because you can you can be just as remembered for having a record-setting career like an Emory and Henry, and more so than if you go to a Power 5 ACC school or Sunbelt school and never get off the field, or if you go to those places and you get you are part of a bowl game as a backup or whatever it might be. I mean, I'll take a kid, for example, Chase Coleman, backup point guard at Maury, or at UVA, was at Maury Morey High School, it was the younger brother of Matt Coleman, who played at Texas. Chase was a walk-on guy, didn't see the floor, but he was like a coach on the floor, because his dad's a coach. He lived the UVA experience and got the most out of it. It was awesome for him. Now he's like a grad assistant for UVA. He's getting into coaching. He didn't he didn't care about averaging this many points for game at playing time, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter about what the situation is, or, and there's going to be a lot of variables that go into play, but I think his thing is, is very interesting because he could go a lot of different different directions with it. Mm-hmm.
0: So usually um, when we get to this part of the interview, you know, you turn us toward law and order. So I'll I'll just open the floor. Are you <laughs> what's going on in the world of law and order? What are the other things you're watching?
2: I'm depressed. <laughs> but first of all, you guys know there's a writer's strike, right?
0: I do. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about okay. that. That probably has wrecked but, your no, law oh, and order.
2: Well, you know it's it's a it's a tr- trifecta. You got Law and Order SVU, which is Special Victims, yeah. with with my Mariska Hargitay as uh, Olivia Benson, and then you got you got uh, organized crime, which is Elliot Stabler, Chris Maloney, his show. Now they're not bringing that show back until like mid season, which is January or February. By then, I'll be in basketball mode and you know stressed out to the max, and I'll have too much on my plate. I'm and then the SVU is going to start, but now you wonder about is the writer strike going to mess it up? So I'm all disheveled over that. I have caught a couple of neat, you know, people have told me about the Netflix Johnny Manziel. I haven't watched that yet. I will tell you what I have watched on Showtime. Have you watched the Wilt Chamberlain documentary? No. no. Oh, it, it's worth checking out. It's really okay. good, really good stuff. And there's a couple more documentary things I need to go need to watch amidst all my football crazy schedule and all the busyness here at this time of year, which I'm sure you guys deal with the same thing. So I've got a couple of docs to watch already in the books. And on the to-do list, I haven't seen some of the movies that people have told me about that I need to check out, like Oppenheimer. But I did watch the Wilt documentary, and I recommend it. It's very, very good.
0: Well, you got that Gators one coming out tomorrow, too. Yeah. I I, yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. I should have because there's a couple shows that I'm no. like – yeah, we should have had the second season, and then I look and I'm like, oh yeah, the writer strike.
2: Um. The writer's strike. So you got to get caught up on some of your whether you're a Netflix, Hulu, yeah. whatever you watch, those type of streaming devices, and get find a find a show on there or or a documentary thing. I haven't watched Winning Time, the, the you know the old Lakers second oh, series. Oh yeah. pretty good too. I watched the first series. Mm-hmm. Got a little language, got some things you could do without, but I hear that's going to be pretty good the second season of that. But uh I, I give the Wilt two thumbs up. That was well done. Well okay. Done.
0: Well, Matt, as always, thank you for coming on and making us sound smarter and helping our audience by teaching them stuff that we could never. Um, but <laughs> you're, you're just I'm going to cite you on Friday. I'm going to spit some stuff
1: out, and then I'm going to quietly... <laughs> thank you, to Matt Hatfield. That's, that's how it's going to go on live radio Friday. So <laughs>
2: that's, that's fine. As yeah. sure always, guys, always a pleasure.
0: Well, Matt, before we let you go, because I just forgot, um, so we had a little post-production, post-interview meeting, and then I was like, oh, yeah. That thing I forgot to tell him, ask him about, uh, you got a new show. Editing's
2: there for a reason. It's okay. Right. Tell us about the new new show. show. Yeah. We have a new podcast. People that listen to us on ESPN radio for 13 plus years. And I say us coach Ed Young who's the longtime basketball coach at Nance whatever just got his 500th win this past year. My co-host on radio. We are now in the podcasting world, much like you guys. Uh, They can pick us up on YouTube uh, through virginiapreps.com through social media, the Virginia Beach Sportsplex website, which is vbsportsplex.com, and also their YouTube channel. And we'll hopefully be on Spotify and some other streaming, or I guess you could say podcast uh, outlets in the future, as we'll be doing a lot of things with local sports, high school, regional, have some guests, phone calls, much like radio, interactive things. And uh should be a lot of fun. And we even have the old uh, family guy, uh, Stewie voice, that our longtime, many, many years ago producer Cody Green did where he had a uh, he had the voice of Stewie Go, and he back to Matthew Hetfield, and an evil basketball coach. Blast you, Ed Young, which is one of my favorite little uh, return lines ever. <laughs> so, uh, bringing that back was that was the thrill of all time because that's that's actually Ed's favorite. Uh, I guess you could say <laughs> one of his favorite shows, and uh, it's always brings a smile to my face. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Tune in. We'll have different ways you can find it on social media if you can't. But again, the VB Sportsplex YouTube channel will be the main source for that. Well, I'm glad
0: you guys got picked up and. Uh are doing that show. Cause I saw the news earlier when it was, um, the radio station was not going to renew your show. And my first thought was like, man, somebody's got to pick them up because they're way too good. So I was
2: glad to see that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, it, it's a thrill. It's something I've been brainstorming and, and entertaining for years. A lot of people don't know. I've, I've been, uh, you know, contacted by different outfits, be it stations, be it podcasting organizations, but I've done some stuff with the folks at hometown sports productions before, and uh, they approached me about this literally immediately. It was actually they approached me before uh, the radio thing came out, as far as the news w- of it. And um, so we agreed to a deal on that. And uh, we're really looking forward to the uh, long term potential of it for sure.
0: All right. Well, now this time for real. Thanks for coming on, Matt. And uh, best <laughs> of luck with the show. And again to our listeners. When you're done hearing Leland and I talk about the teams on this side of the state, to get the the other side of the state <laughs> and an even bigger view, uh, definitely go check out the show with matt hatfield and coach ed young
1: in all honesty i get it if you listen to him first and then us just just yeah. both that's that's our request both we don't care which order
0: even if you mute <laughs> ours of, just listen through it
2: <laughs> and Leland, even if joe doesn't approve they can throw in a little Kornheiser and lechiserie in there too but hey oh, uh, always always good guys and look hopefully i'll be back on uh before the writer or after the writer strike is over to give you a law and order update
0: yes okay, for later. sure
1: Thanks again for Matt Hatfield coming on. Always just – I'm just, I'm jealous is what it is. I, I wish I could run through that much high school knowledge. I mean, he's ripping off, you know, multiple players from every team and where they're potentially going to school, not even <laughs> where they might end up, but just, just so knowledgeable. I always love having him. He's, you know, one of the reasons uh, we're still doing this podcast because we have guests like him, and he's he's awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean – it's a guy I was fortunate enough to run across, you know, covering high school sports, uh, gosh, back in the day now, I guess. Um, probably close to yeah. ten years ago. Um, but uh the the man is just an amazing wealth of high school football and high school basketball knowledge. Uh and so glad that he entertains our interview requests and comes on and talks to us and shares his knowledge with our listeners. Yeah. Cause definitely it is uh, the best information you can get in the state of Virginia.
1: Absolutely. When I talk about what our podcast is doing, I, I bring up having people like him on. So uh, glad he's still going to have a, He's going to have a podcast of his own. So make sure I, we, you know, we kind of joke about who to listen to first, seek it out one way or yeah. the other. You'll be uh, smarter for high school sports across the state. And, uh, it's entertaining to know what's going on over there. And then like, you can start following some of these players before um, they rise up. You can hear about what they're doing in high school and really follow along. And, and then also just the brand of the level of play on that side of the state is different than over here. And so uh, it, it'd be, it's interesting to know about, but on this side of the state, we get kicked off this week and uh, I want to focus in on what we're thinking about our teams. Um, we were on the radio a little bit last Friday uh, with some overall preview, but I think it's time for on the podcast to officially kick the season off. So, Joe, let's, you know, quickly kind of preview each team and also talk about their first game as we walk through this. Um, but let's start with the game that we are going to be at on Friday. The, what we determined being the biggest game for our teams here. We did have some competition there, uh, but Riverheads at Central Woodstock, two teams in the same region facing off for uh, what people are already lining up as a region final preview might not end up being that but it's going to be a heck of a ball game no matter what this friday riverhead's coming off state championship central woodstock coming off a state championship game appearance of their own and both looking back to get to that spot uh, but actually both of them looking to get to the class two spot with riverheads moving up to class two um joe looking at riverheads you know, I think the biggest storyline about this team and looking at this season, I, I think there's some simple answers to it, but I'll let you say them. You know, Riverhead's moving up to Class 2, Region B. Well, what's that mean? You know, does that just does that just mean there's no chance they win a state championship? Does that, as their regular, you know, is, is their district season so much harder and all that? There's simple answers to that, but, you know, what, what's your outlook on the Gladiators this year with playing uh, a Class 2 uh, postseason?
0: Yeah, and, and I mean... <laughs> Our listeners have already heard Matt Hatfield's opinion, and he even says you know, Riverheads might be able to get to that state championship game. So that's a person that knows more than you and I know um, on these kind of things when it comes to comparing them to teams around the state. I I do think this is a region to be preview, and I I do think that we're going to learn a lot in week one. Um, Before the season starts, yeah, I I give Riverheads a a fighter's chance to come out of this region. And if they come out of this region, then then yeah, you're in the state playoffs. There's four teams that come out of regions and class two into the state playoffs. So yeah, they've got a shot to get into that region championship and maybe win. I don't know if I'm going to predict them to win the region sh- uh, state championship. I don't think I would go that far. Um, and, and Matt Hatfield kind of confirms that for me. But <sighs> folks around here are going to celebrate if Riverheads doesn't win another state championship. And to an extent, I understand it's, it's a team that you don't like because of all the winning they do. And they beat up on you and you just don't want to see them have, you know, unlimited success. I I get that to an extent, but I've got news for all these people that say, well, if they go up and don't win, this just proves that the only reason they won those state championships in class one, because it was class one. I, I don't think they would have won seven class two state championships especially in a row but they would have won in my mind they would have won at least two during that seven-year run and that's just not paying attention to the class two championship every year um it's it's seeing the ones we got to see um i'd say definitely two maybe three um of those of those years um but Yeah, I I just, I'm sorry. Like, the Stewart's drafts, I said this at the end of the year last year, and I'm sure folks around the area didn't like it, especially at draft, but, like, all the people celebrating, oh, Riverheads is going to have to leave Class 1. They won't be able to beat up on those weak Class 1s. Congratulations, Stewart's draft. You're not going to a state playoff for a while. Like, if that's what you want to celebrate, is the fact that you're not going to be in a state playoff game for the foreseeable future until realignment happens again, maybe, (laughs) then... That's a weird flex, but you know, do you bro like um i I think Riverheads is gonna go as far as Caden Cook cash can carry him this year. That would be my main storyline. They've got this game, they've got the Christiansburg game, which is gonna be tough, but in terms of their district schedule, there's nobody in the district that's gonna hold a candle to him
1: yeah i I agree, I think the regular season kinda I don't see what the classification changes, the district's still the same. Um, I think the difference in the regular season schedule is that, you know, they they got two games that are easily circle games that you're like, Oh man, that's really tough. Where the last two seasons you had those Lord bought games. That was kind of the only one and, and not saying that's the fault of Riverheads. I mean, I, I think they ask teams up and down 81, especially um, who wants to play us. And uh, these are two teams that said yes. So that's good. It, it, there is a reoccurring theme where, when central a little bit has an uptick in football, all of a sudden that's when they're saying yes to play in. So uh, it's interesting that we're going to have these two years right here. I think riverheads in a way, I mean, this is a team that has reloaded year after year after year, and then has ripped off seven straight state championships and, and reloaded like none other. Um, you know, I think this is a year that you can kind of circle with Caden cook cash, being a senior, uh, this group of linebackers that they have returning, Uh, just some of these other leaders that are seniors this year, I think, you know, on the old scale, this might be one of those peak years of, you know, time to cash in right here. I think it might be wise of them to cash in here. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. Does losing week one make a difference to those goals? No, but having it be a region two B team that you're losing to the way you lose might really uh, be a factor for the mindset going into the playoffs later. So I think anything can happen. Uh, for this team this year but I think it's going to include you know no less than eight regular season wins and a high spot in a playoff and at least a playoff home playoff game or two um, and, and so that's where I see this team going and I and I know you're nodding your head you know that's that's the where they're going to be um, for the foreseeable future you'd think but I I think this year even more so I, I you know this this program cannot stay up Forever, And I'm sure I said this on some kind of radio or uh, podcast four years ago, and then they've done that. (laughs) They've won the next three, four state championships after I said something like that. So at some point I'll be right and I'm not eager for that to happen. I don't think this is the year where it just comes crumbling down or anything. Do we see a crack or two? I don't think in the moment we'll say that this year because I just don't foresee losses that would make me think and it would take like a district loss for me to really start changing my mindset about what this year is. Losses to Central or Christiansburg or even both, I don't think would just, you know, tear me off the mountain that I think Riverheads is awesome and it's going to be awesome. So um, I don't know. I think we're saying a lot of the same things there. Uh, let's look at this game with Central Woodstock as it's, it's the biggest game of the weekend for, for this area for the TV3 viewing audience. Um, you know, Central brings back a good bit. They had that Taylor Forbes kid at running back. He was second team all district at running back last year, but first team on, as linebacker. He's a real deal player. He is a load. He is hard to bring down. Um, they have other weapons. They have a returning quarterback. I believe they have the defensive player of the year coming back. So they have a lot of weapons, but like every high school team, they lost a lot too. So game one, after losing some of those guys, they're going to, they're going to figure some stuff out on the fly, on the field. I know they've been practicing all season, but so is Riverheads and a team that, you know, doesn't re. No team reloads better than what Riverheads does. So I think this is going to be a great game. I don't see this being a wide margin game in either direction. I, I would kind of be surprised if we're talking about, um, you know, more than two scores in either direction. And even with two scores, I would almost think like maybe a score late kind of separating them um, by that kind of margin. I, I just really do think it's going to be a close game. Now, you know, I'm a, I I pick Riverheads 100% of the time. It's not a 99% of the time. 99.8. Nope. I pick him a hundred percent of the time because that makes me right. 97% of the time. So I'm going to pick them to win this game. I think they'll want this game to be lower scoring. I, I don't think you want to see Tyler Forbes running up and down the field uh, because of the type of running back he is. That would scare me more for them because he's not just the breakaway back. He's, he's kind of a load. So uh, where Lord bought a Todd a year ago, you know, had the runners and the fast and river has kind of kept up with that in a higher scoring game and they were able to survive. I probably made a similar kind of prediction last year and then was wrong. I, I, I think Riverheads wants this to be a lower scoring game. The lower scoring it is, the better it is for Riverheads. Um, but the defense is going to come out to play. This is Riverheads, who we know what Riverheads does on defense, 15 points a game last year. Uh, Central Woodstock, 13 points a game on defense last year. So I just think both defenses will be kind of the lead their teams early when there's questions going on. I think the defense are going to do a lot of talking.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this really does come down to a, a turnover or something, especially late in the ball game, uh, with these two teams. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much in depth you want to go into this, uh, knowing that we've got to say a lot of the same stuff I later know. in the week, but,
1: um, I don't know if our listeners always listen on Friday. So I, I maybe I mean, that's true. Are- um,
0: I, I just think that this is going to be the winner of this game hosts the second time these two teams play. Um, I I think that's a given. And, And so I think it's important for, uh, and this might be an interesting thing of the coaches. We find out, um, if this game gets, is still tight in the third quarter, the coaches have tough decisions in the fourth quarter. How much of this playbook do we reveal here? Um, knowing that we might see this team again and um you know central does have some other tough games on their schedule too but riverheads knowing that the christiansburg game is still on the schedule too outside of that though riverheads doesn't have a game they have to worry about so um if there's something they don't want to show in that central game that's probably a legit thing they could hold uh central i would imagine is in the same boat that if there's stuff they don't want to show in that first game they can get away with that with the rest of the schedule because i don't i don't have the entire central schedule in front of me but it's um it's not as daunting uh, they don't have a christiansburg i'll just put it that way
1: they got riverheads east rock stanton emile county keen william clark county madison Larray,
0: page strasburg
1: so a lot of the district there that clark their keen william games their other big one
0: yeah, the King William game will be the other big one, but um and maybe that's a, you know, potential state semifinal preview for them. Yeah, um, but yeah. we'll see. They win
1: this first game, that that's what the talk will be.
0: Yep. Um I do I, think Riverheads will win. Yeah. Um and I guess in a, in a preview for what I'll say Friday night, I I'll take the Gladiators by 3.
1: Ooh, a close one. Close one. They do have a they have that Zach Brooks. Last year they were rolling two kickers. Zach Brooks looks to be the junior starting kicker this year. Um, I believe the other kicker, Chavez, is no longer at Riverheads, from what I was hearing. We'll we'll see what we get, see when we get there in rosters in front of us. Um, but Brooks did a good job last year. Forty one of forty-four on extra points and um did a good job, did a lot of kicking down in late. Um, I one interesting thing thinking about it being a close game, and when you say three, it really makes me think that. I mean, this is a team, and I know it's a different different year, different team. But you know, experience I think does matter, and and whatnot. So, last year Central played five games that were within ten points, and uh, only losing one of those out of, and that was one of their uh, three losses on the season. Riverheads didn't play any within ten points last year. So, if it gets into a tight game, will we be pointing to the experience of playing with that pressure? of of it being within a score i mean riverheads lost the one game they lost it by two touchdowns and everything else they won by 13 or more and most all in most of those in the 30s so yeah i that's something to look at if it if it is indeed a close game running throughout i think to see riverheads wins it. i i think that's what i'm seeing it be a tight close game low score and so uh i'll say i'll say seven just to make it a little bit wider um it scares me to talk about kicking games in Riverheads because I've seen extra point miss to lose a game uh, years and years ago. And um, I don't know. It seems like if it's with if it's within <laughs> within three, I'm a little more scared about it. But uh, more than three makes me a little happier. So we'll do that. If, if it's indeed that close, you'll uh, you'll see me taking a lot of sips of water, my legs shaking on Friday <laughs> from my, from my homer point of view. Um, so let's move it on to the next biggest game. And this was a tough game to not go call as, uh, as George draft hosting Keen William. We talked about it with Hatfield there, Keen William, two years off from winning a state championship, George draft three years off from back to back, uh, their second of two, uh, state championship game appearances. And, uh, you know, George draft kind of dropped down. I, I do want to talk about the Cougars for a second. And then we'll talk about the game. Uh, the Cougars, you know, are, are one of those teams that had an eight and four bad year. And you, you kind of look at people would really like to have eight wins in a bad year. Uh, but it felt that way last year and still looking back at the schedule. It's just certain games surprised you on what they did last year. I know the game at Stanton was a surpriser. Um, you know, the uh, losing to Riverhead's not an absolute surpriser. Uh, the close game with Fort, only a 10-7 win right in there but the thing that kind of really put that taste on the season was their first loss to the season that was against Larray 49 to nothing. And so I really think mindset wise for these young men, it's going to be important for them not to uh, have a, a line like that in in a rematch against Larray this year, that would be their third game of the season, or even upfront with, with King William coming to town. I think it's important for this team to build off confidence. I think it's an important thing to do with 17 year old uh, kids. So, they're going to look at Landon Graber or turning starting quarterback to to really lead them. And he was he did a lot running the football last year. He's going to have to do that again. Uh Deshae Smiths a running back that we knew about? I think they have another younger running back that they're going to have on the field. I don't even have his name yet. Uh, I was hearing it from a scrimmage and I heard a number. Uh, I think it was it was maybe uh, not twelve. That's the quarterback. But I, it was just like I, you know we're guessing. But here's another team I think is going to be led by their defense. You have Kyle Coffey coming back for a senior year. I believe he's defensive player of the year. No, he was a defensive player of the year last year. Troy Thompson was. They lose him. But Kyle Coffey's going to probably try to step into that mold of being the leader of that defense, or, or at least who stands out on what they're accomplishing on the field. So I, I'm i not seeing the answers I want to see for Stuart draft coming off a year last year where some question marks were talked about throughout the season and even the loss. And the, at the end, I know they won a playoff game, but they still went up to Strasbourg and just did worse than you'd expect i i'm not circling answers on who's stepping in where and um you know it just still seems like the stability they had with aaron nice for four years and others you know i just i'm not i'm not confident who i'm seeing stepping into that mold that can lead them back to region championships and stuff like that so um and I think we're looking at a, a similar season as last year where, you know, you're going to have question marks and, and just losing a couple of games that kind of surprise you.
0: Uh, and uh, the schedule I think is going to be tougher for them. Actually. I, I think King William is tough. Laray is going to be tough. And, and then I think, you know, barely beating Fort last year. I think Fort's better this year. I don't know if Stewart's draft is better. So what happens in that game? Um, uh, yeah. I have a lot more questions with draft than answers right now. Um, and I know on our high school preview show that aired Friday, you know, we talked about it nice. Stewart's draft having a similar problem as the Riverheads. And maybe that'll change if they have another rough year this year. Maybe the next time the schedule comes up, they'll have an easier time. Teams won't be scared to play them, but they're, they're having a hard time finding the, the 10 opponents. And I think right now uh, they have nine. So it's a nine game schedule. I, I think they go five and four. I, I just think that this is going to be a team that gets roughed up a little bit. I think this first game, I, You know, for a prediction, I would say King William by 14. And I think that's me being nice. I I don't know if this defense. Yes, I have the questions on offense, but last year, their defense was good enough to win a lot of games. And this year, I don't think that defense is going to be bad, but I think it's really hard when you lose a defensive player in the year in Troy Thompson and you lose another guy like Fannin Vance, who was also an important linebacker. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. That's too big. Linebackers you have to replace and yes I know Kyle Coffey's going to do a lot of work but That's a D lineman and what happens if they just run To the other side of the line is Kyle Coffey going to be Able to get to the other side of the line and stop everything What's that second level going to do I I am worried About that second level with the Stewart's draft team And and for that reason I, that's why I think They're going to have a rougher season Yeah I, I don't I think agree. this I and, think there's and I, I guess uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about the first week So I, I don't think This is going to go well if you're a Stuart Strat fan. Yeah, and,
1: and that's a lot of credit. In the same sense, though, it's a lot of credit to what King William is. They're a solid program, yep. well coached by Scott Moore in his fourth season. Um, and I credit I draft. I mean, look,
0: I that that's not a that's that's a game you schedule because you need opponents. That's gonna be a tough game, and I, I hats off to go and be willing to play somebody like King William. Um but yeah, I mean we were talking about Centrals, viewing that as a state semi preview. And if Seward's draft is going to prove me wrong and be where they want to be, then they're viewing this as the same kind of thing. A state semifinal preview.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I do not think Seward's draft is going to necessarily win this game, but uh, I'd be interested to see if any questions are answered in it. And then that would be
0: encouraging if it is. Um,
1: I will say this. If
0: if, be... if, if they're within 14 points, then I'm interested. Yeah, there you go. I I, I
1: agree with that. So we'll see what we get out of the Cougars on Friday, as uh, we'll be seeing for updates while we're on the radio for that. But let's go over to what Buffalo Gap is doing, um, moving down the notes here a little bit, uh, as they have a lot to replace. I mean, they, they had uh, Dylan Alfin that was just there for, seemed like ever, and just one of my favorite players in the district these last few years. The way he ran the ball, you know, they could depend on him to get those yards. Micah Canterbury kind of opened up their passing game a good bit last year. That included, you know, throwing the ball to senior to Luke Tinsley, um, who was first time, uh, first team tight end. And, and a lot of stuff up front was um, helped out with Jacob Carter, given time for all that stuff to happen. Holes opening was Jacob Carter and what he was able to do on, on both sides on the line. Uh, they miss all those guys. I just ran through a whole list of guys that sounded like, Hey, that's everybody I heard about these last few years uh, when I listened to gap games. But they do have Blake Robertson back, Colby Diego. I like both those guys. I think you'll see Ryan Shiflett in the backfield some. So I, I do think they have pieces that we'll get to know better. And these are guys that have been on the field. So it's not, you know, stepping onto the field. It's just, you know, stepping into taking the primary car- carries. But who will be stepping onto the field is Jude Loke. Um, he's uh, number two freshman, 5'11", 140 pounds. That's who all words are saying that he's going to be the starter this year at the quarterback position. And for this offense that I think runs a lot better when it's dynamic, I know every team in our area seems to like to run the ball more. I I think Buffalo Gap really liked having that advantage of throwing it outside to uh, Luke Tinsley a good bit. And and I wonder when he's going to be able to really provide that kind of firepower from that position. I'm not saying it's impossible for him to do that week one, I would just assume they're going to roll in with a with a running th- game, get things going. I think James River op- offers that opportunity for them to kind of roll in like that. Uh, but the schedule will get harder as it goes on. Larey week two, Clark County week three. So I don't know if you want to wait until those weeks to see your quarterback throw the football some. But you know, if if their line is is going to replenish as well as as they hope they will, you know that could set them up for postseason success, even if the early is rough with with these harder games up front um, as people are coming together but I I think it's a very interesting year Buffalo Gap a year that a lot of people you know probably circled as hey Riverheads is out of the way what can we do I'm not necessarily just saying oh my goodness this is the year they're going to take advantage and you know they're on their way to their second uh, state championship in school history and second in the county not named Riverheads Um, I'm just not I'm not feeling that from Buffalo gap this year. So I think it's a real interesting look out there. I think this is a team that all we're going to do is learn from them in those first three weeks. And even if they're sitting at one and two after three weeks, I still think we have a chance to see positives there uh, just because of how much we don't know at this point.
0: Yeah. I think the schedule is going to be tough for Buffalo gap this year too. And, And just because of kind of like we were touching on with Stewart's draft, I think there's some teams in the area getting better and Buffalo gap is not bad necessarily, but just not as good. I don't think you lose a guy like Micah Canterbury and Luke Tinsley and, and that kind of second phase of the offense that so many teams don't have in this area. I don't think you lose that second phase of the offense and get better. Um, because then the question is for this Buffalo Gap team, you know, can, can Colby Diego and Blake Robertson both have 1,000 yard seasons? I don't know. And when I'm saying I don't know, that means I don't know how good this offense is going to be because you're you're one-dimensional again, especially with a freshman at quarterback. I would actually like to see, because you're talking about James River and you're going to be able to work on some stuff, I would actually like to see Buffalo Gap hop out to a three-score lead, do what you need to do to get that three-score lead, even if it is just run left, run right, run up the middle. But then when you get that three-score lead, maybe this is like an opposite kind of feeling for most high school games, but once you're up, then I want to see the passing game worked in because that's when you can work on some of that and build your freshman's confidence in that game. Get him some nice, easy completions. Then maybe you try a couple deep shots if it's going well and see what happens. But that that game, you need to build his confidence because, as you said, as the schedule goes on for Buffalo Gap, it's, it's going to get harder, and they need to be ready. I, I don't want Lauk's first passes to be you know, third and long, or we have to have this to keep our hopes of winning a game alive. I I just think that's setting up, setting him up for failure. And I'm sure coach Wigand and Buffalo gap are not going to do that to him.
1: Yeah. They're, they're a pretty one well-run organization out there. So I'd assume that too. Don't know a whole lot about James river. This is a team. They haven't been to the playoffs uh, real recently. I think um, their last trip there, I thought I had to know there was, uh, it was only year recently was 2021. Um, I think that was the spring year. Um, but you know they've had a couple coaching changes. Uh, that's where Phillips was before he came to Stanton. Um, and I guess Tim Jennings has, has been the coach since then. Uh, only thirteen and twenty-three over this stretch, so they're looking to you know catch their feet. Uh, they're down there in that Three Rivers district. Um, last year, their only wins against Allegheny, Covington, who are now combined to be one school, and Perry McClure, who's not necessarily the strongest uh, opponent. And then all the rest of them were big losses there in uh, Three Rivers. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bison do. You know, this needs to be a, a handled game. If uh, the Bison are even close to what they want to be this year. Um, you know, I know they want to get in that region. One B playoffs, despite what happens during the regular season, this hard schedule, we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the difficulty of the Shannon a district, you know, they want to get into that playoff and, and cause some damage. And I think it's important for them to have a home game, at least one in, in those playoffs. So I think they need to find some wins this year and, and, and look at that 6-7 win mark, because the closer they are to, uh, you know, 4-5, and five, which can get you in the 1B playoffs, or even 5-5, five and five, you means you're going on the road. And I did not like what I saw with them losing that close game down in Central Lunenburg last year in a game I really thought they should have won. So uh, I want to see them at home as, as much as they can in the playoffs. And, you know, this is a team I've said it 100 times on this podcast, this is a team that finds a way to win a game that you don't expect them to. Um, and last year, they might have done that, but they might also lost one and didn't expect them to. So uh, you know, I'm interested to see what they do this year. I'm, you know, I'm the closet gap fan here. Um, but, uh, you know, it, a lot of questions need to be answered. And, and I think even in losses early, we need to be seeing some of those answers if, if they're going to be in the top half of the district and, um, it might be tough for them to do.
0: I would agree. I don't think this is going to be a year where we look back at Buffalo gap and are, our- seeing them play for a a state championship. Um, in in terms of this game, I've got gap by 14. Um, but I think overall it's going to be a rough year for Buffalo gap fans.
1: I'm going to take gap by more than that. I think I don't really have any faith in James River. is a big reason for that. Okay. Um, fort defiance in now in class two. So they don't have the gauntlet of class three ahead of them anymore, but in recent years, it's it's been more of the worry of can we have a winning season? Can we have enough positive to build off of? And this is Dan Rolfs' 15th season. He's the most seasoned coach in uh, the Shenandoah district um, with uh, Coach Floyd in second on that list now. Um, but Coach Rolfe loses his defensive coordinator to Wilson. And we'll talk more about Wilson in a few minutes, but uh, it was an improved defense last year. And they really need to find some improved offense this year and, and and keep on building on the momentum. They were sitting at three and one last year. And all of a sudden, you know, one win became was happy. Two wins was old. We have something. Three wins was <laughs> all of a sudden we're talking about expectations for fourth defense and can they make the playoffs and stuff like that. And it fell off from there and they lost those six straight to loot to close out the season. They battled against Stewart's draft in a game, but you know, I, you said something to me last week, when we were talking about these teams about Fort defiance has been young my, the entire time I've called radio games here in Augusta County. And you have a point, you know, they, they find a way just to always be young and here's, you know, another quarterback they have that, you know, was starting as a freshman and, and now he's in his third year. He's a junior. And you you have confidence in him. He's returning a lot of weapons around him, including Wet uh Heb and, and Armin Trout and Barb. Like those are the names that you said last year was what was making them good and why they won those three games and why they were three and one. You need to see the lessons come out in those guys and those close losses. They had a lot of close games. You want to see what they can build off of and do with these this team that, you know, I'm not gonna say they're seasoned. I and they're not old yet, but it's time to see some payoff
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, you already touched on it. I I said that on Friday, I'll that'll be a theme this year. I need to see it from Fort Defiance this year. I'm tired of well, you know, it's a young team, growing pains, you know, ABC XYZ like all right, I mean, these are juniors. Juniors now. Juniors and seniors, like let's see some wins. Juniors. <laughs> let's see some wins and, and like it, it, it's that time, unfortunately, um while we focus on week one, I don't think that comes this week. I think they're going to run into a yeah. TA team that is going to absolutely beat the brakes off of them. I think it's gonna be a 21 point loss uh, to mm-hmm. TA, um, which is not going to feel good. Um, But for Fort, I, I think the way the rest of the schedule plays out, they've got a shot. I think uh when we did our preview, I said they were going to end up five and five. Just because when I look at that schedule, I see some games I think they can pick off and win, but I've just seen Fort too many years, and maybe it is the youthful inexperience that that, and that will be changed now, and they will convert those all into wins, and they will end up with six or seven wins this year, but there's just too many times. We're doing a game somewhere on a Friday night, and we're looking up the scores, and there's a game that I think, you know what, Fort's going to win this game. And as the scores come in, we're like, what is going on down at Fort Defiance? And and it's a game they don't win that they have no business losing, in my opinion. And I think we're going to get a couple of those this year, too. So I think I think whatever games they pick off, there's going to be that offset of I don't know what just happened down there. And I think they end up 500 this year. I I hope not. It's really going to come down to their defense. Their offense is going to have the points. Can the defense keep their opponents off the board? That's the question.
1: I, and I like your you're talking about five and five there because I think you know that's kind of a mark that we we're trying to get them to when we talk about them and all the positives of that. Yeah, but that's not where is, that's. You know,
0: but see, that's where I disagree. Not, like when I'm when I'm hearing, oh, you know, this team's young, this team's young, but blah blah blah, and now they're experienced, now they're juniors, now you need to be better than five and five, in my opinion, and you, and I I'm not sure that this is the year they get there.
1: Yeah, I I I agree. I, I would say at least with with the word. Hey, here's a lot of juniors. You're expecting more. At least that would set themselves up. You get to that five and five mark, then that's your floor for the next year and go forward. And, and I agree with you, it might be tough to get to that mark. I mean, five, five and five, uh, the 500 season, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of those. They had uh they had one back in 2019, um, but before that, it was a lot or 18 and 19, they were five and five. Before that was a long stretch. So getting to that mark has has been tough. They haven't gone past that mark at that time. If you're five and five, you're smelling the playoffs. Uh, whether you're in it or not can be debated, but you're smelling at the playoffs. Playoffs are on the mind. I think that's important for this group, even as they grow. If, if next year is part of the equation, but you want to see payoff, and and I think two and eight and three and seven is unacceptable with this team. And I just like I'm just not going to accept that that's good enough to get. Out of this talent that was three and seven last year when they were young. They gotta be better. And I think just beating it by one game. So I think five and five has got to be like the minimal goal, like you're saying. And you really should be looking at, you know, six, six wins kind of being that realistic goal and and even still try to be better. But you know, their schedule plays out where the first six games, there's four games right there that I think they can win. Like I I can easily tell that story. They can win four of the first six and be Four and two. The other two games are their hardest games in the schedule, and I'm just not going to give them wins in that with TA or Riverhead. They're just not at that point. But Allegheny Highlands, the new school of Covington and Allegheny, I think that's a winnable game. Broadway is a team I believe they beat last year. Madison County is not a great team. Waynesboro, a team they beat last year, that's not a super duper program. So I, I think if the season can play out in a way where they actually are four and two, and build off that confidence, I, I see them more likely to do more than just one win down the stretch against Stewart's draft, Wilson, Stanton and Buffalo Gap because I think they'll be a little bit high where like with Buffalo gap, we've already talked about them. It could start out rough for them. Their mindset might not be right by that last game of the season. What does Stanton do? You know, if we will talk about them coming up, but last year they started seven and zero, oh, and then we saw them fall apart. But like this year, if, if they have those earlier losses, what does that do to their psyche, especially with what they're trying to replace? You know, Wilson, we give a lot of credit to. We will when we talk about him. I'm, I'm previewing our preview here. But, like, there's questions there. And then switch Draft, we just, I mean, you just said, you know, here's a team where everybody else is getting better. I think Fort Defiance has a lot of reason to think they are getting better this year. Seward's Draft, that seventh game of the season, something they can knock off. So, I, I would like to think they set themselves up in that position to be positive going into that last stretch and, and find at least two wins. But... It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, I, I'm trying to paint the picture and I'm still, I'm still talking myself back out of it because that's going to be tough. For this well, and that's the so thing, right? Like their I'm offense
2: has absolutely
1: got to be better. Their, their offense is where it all starts.
0: But, but see, I think the weapons are there on offense. I, I think this is I going do. to be a defensive thing this year with Fort. I think the defense has to slow teams down. And I, and when it comes to offense, it's just not turning the ball over. And, and I know, you know, we, we had a little bit of a. I
1: don't think formula gets you six and four. Um, I don't think not turning the ball over is going to get you six and four with that schedule. I think it's going to get you those first four wins, and then I'm really worried about the, two more wins out of those last four. If you're just six not and four, the ball over.
0: if they don't turn the ball those, over. Uh- if this they don't Trey turn the Merrill ball over... win it
1: plays, not just not turning the ball over, he needs to yeah, lead this Yeah, but game. I
0: think that's going to happen. I think I, mean, I think I Fort Defiance' offensive drives will stop if, for whatever reason, they don't use the weapons they have in the passing game or if they turn the ball over. I don't think... And this, this, I was getting ready to say, this is where we had a little bit of differing viewpoints on what Fort's offense needs to click. It would be great if Bradley Hebb clicks. If Bradley Hebb doesn't click, I don't think that matters I, because I think you have the weapons on the edges and at quarterback to negate any running back issue production issues you might have. Um, but it comes then to me, it comes down to defense. You got to keep the other offense out of the end zone. And then when you have the ball, you got to finish in the end zone. Something they didn't do last year. I think they will do this year. Um, but I guess my worry about their defense is
1: losing their coordinator.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And losing like the bulk of where but when I look at this schedule, the
1: defensive side of the ball, I'm just not sure if their defense is going to be better than they were last year. I think they are like if they can well, get back to it, But then that's why again, that's, that's why I have them do. at
0: 5 and 5 because I look at that yeah, yeah, I know you're saying if you're I'm 4 and to 2, out of
1: that.
0: if you're 4 and 2 going in the back half, you like to think you're going to win more than one of those games. I don't know if they will. Because I think yeah. honestly, I think they might at the end of the season, they're going to have a better record than Buffalo Gap, but I think that's a nightmare matchup for Fort Defiance. I think up front, Buffalo Gap will bully them, and that's going to be a nightmare matchup. You do not want to go into the last week of the season, five and four, if you're... That is a long ways away. That, 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 uh, it's a long ways away, but here's the other thing. You're talking about five and five, You know that, that gets you in the playoffs, maybe in 2B, and maybe it does, but that gets you in the playoffs, and you're going to Woodstock, or you're going to Greenville, and then you're going to lose by four or five scores. So that is not what you want. That's why, to me, it's important. For Ford Defiance to have six or seven wins this year. Try to get into that six line. Because if you get in the six line, who's the three team? I don't know. Maybe.
1: Strasbourg, LeRae.
0: Maybe. Yeah. LeRae I wouldn't love for them. But, Strasburg maybe. Strasburg. I don't know. Clark, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, LeRae, LeRae is a, I don't know. Game. I'm
1: not, I'm not going to put their expectations of winning playoff games when they haven't, been in a playoff game
0: and, but again, this goes back to the, this goes back to my point on Friday night and will be my point this Friday night when it comes up again, I I don't want to hear young Fort. We got a lot of growing, you know, or even early in the season, we're going to grow. That's great. uh, But I'm telling you, if we're looking at this season and we're into week four, or excuse me, going into week five and you're one in three, blow it up. It's done. Like you have to be four and two. Your growing
1: week is week one. That's it. Growing week is week
0: one and week three. That's when you get this stuffing kicked out of you and you just sit there and pray nobody gets hurt. But Allegheny, Broadway, Madison, Waynesboro, all of those games have to be wins or five and five. You can blow it up like it's not happening.
1: The thing is that we don't see this too differently. <laughs> you and I, it's just, I'm, ta- I'm the one trying to talk myself out of it and try to talk it better because uh, I think that's my role here. Uh, but yeah, I, it's just.
0: Let's move on. Let's move on. I, I We're spend spending way too much time. One this is going to be a f-
1: wins in some years. I was talking about four or five wins, four wins kind of as a given. That's, that's, that is an uptick, but I do think they have more talent than that. Um, let's talk about the Stanton storm, a team that, Kind of surprised everybody out the gate last year when in their first seven games, they did it behind the arm and wheels of Walker Darby, who's gone to graduation. Uh, but they do bring back a lot of weapons that I really like. They have the Braylon Fields kid from the backfield, who's who's a touchdown waiting to happen, um, but also a tackle for a loss waiting to happen as well. But uh, Mark Jeffrah, who is great on both sides of the ball, able to just make big plays particularly defensively at seven interceptions last year. I think he had a couple games straight where he had pick sixes Um, Peyton Dunn, who has been an all district linebacker from the moment he stepped on the football field. So I'm really interested to see what they're able to do with all those weapons back, how they fill in at the quarterback position. I'm assuming Landon Dove is going to have a a good shot for that position as a senior and how much he played on defense last year. Um, But we'll see, we'll see who's there. Um, But their schedule is built a little differently this year. They're not built for seven and zero, and that might be a good thing because seven and zero turned into seven and four last year, and that kind of left you a different taste. So where at week seven, week eight, we're saying you know Mikey Bell is coach of the year, no doubt, and those last three weeks of the regular season made you change your mind on that, uh, or at least made the voters of the district change their mind on that. You know, this year's schedule kind of plays out where they they do have some of those harder games slipped in up front, a game. Against Central Woodstock at home. Um, Riverheads isn't paired right with that, though, you know, the Wilson game is, and that was a tough game for them last year. They end the season with a Waynesboro game, one that you would assume is winnable for them. So I I like kind of how the schedule plays out this year that it might not just be all wins, all losses right in a row. Um, and, And that could be interesting for them. My worry is that they could be really similar to as good as they were a year ago. Uh, with these great pieces, you know the juniors I mentioned on offense, the senior Peyton Dunn on defense, but then their record might not really show exactly seven four. And I know that what's the famous phrase? Uh, you, you know, you, we are we are who they thought they were. You are who your record says you are. You know, I think they could be just as good as last year and be six and four um, in a regular season instead of those seven wins, and, and that matters a lot, especially in class three. That one game is going to mean a lot. So uh, I'm I'm real interested to see, particularly quarterback, what gets filled in there and then continue to see this improvement Offense, 17 points a game last year was a huge improvement on defense. I would like to see that a couple ticks better and then just have some of those questions on offense answered.
0: Yeah, I, I think with this Stanton team, I had them somewhere between five and six wins on Friday when we did this. And again, my my concern would be kind of a matchup situation with certain teams in the district Uh, Buffalo gaps, you know, this is another matchup where I think maybe Stanton is maybe better than Buffalo gap, but it's a nightmare matchup there. And I know you touched on this already, but the beginning of their schedule, boy, that's where you got to build. You got to get fat early because um, when you get to the, the middle of that schedule, that's when you start to go, okay. uh Oh, yeah. Um, so you're saying you know, they got to beat
1: Madison, they got to beat Rockridge County, and I, I think make hay on those ones, not just beat them. I think you I think you got to blow them good out. about themselves.
0: yeah, you got to you know blow them Central
1: out. Could be a tough one. Central but will be James tough. James Rivers another win.
0: More. Then but you, you get draft Wilson three and
1: one at least.
0: Yeah, draft yeah. Wilson Riverheads. You learn a lot about yourself in that draft game because I think draft we've already touched on draft Stanton. the winner of that game maybe has a little bit of something to build on for the rest of the year. The loser is going to sit there and kind of be trying to pick up pieces and salvage something. Um,
1: And that's when, and that's when they beat draft last year. That's when we kind of started to believe that Sam somewhat, but I I do worry. I do worry
0: about losing a guy like Walker Darby. I just, that was such a big part of their identity last year was their passing game. And I don't know how that gets fixed necessarily. I, I don't look at, I, I know Jeff Raw is going to be great, but I don't know, man. I I, I do. I just whew. how you get him the ball. I, how you get him the ball? That that line's got to be better. Thinking- the line's got to be better. That that's what it comes down to is Stanton this year. The line has to be better because you didn't have that much of a running game last year, and this year you're going to have to lean on it more, and that that starts up front. Yep.
1: You'll want to lean on, it, especially with a quarterback that's not returning like they had last year. You have a coach who's offensive line in his history and his blood from uh, high school and college ball himself. So you hope that you see that on the field. Um, the point I make on this team continuing, and I'll make it again this Friday when we talk is just what Michael Bell was able to do in his first season after being the longtime, you know, assistant coach, JV coach. He, he really proved to me how well he knows these players and how to use these players. And he, I think he optimized. So I'm telling you in my mind, he gets a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. That's why I have six and four written down beside him because somewhere the benefit of that doubt had me six wins, but I still don't have enough benefit to give him those seven again. So, uh, that's where I'm at with them. I think there's somewhere in there, you know, I think you're going to, at one point yell at me about how my numbers don't add up, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) at least they're going to be wrong on the optimistic side. And, um, you know, I'd love to see them kind of continue that trajectory of the positive that we saw last year at this program for a program that, you know, since Jeromo left, there wasn't, there was just a stretch there that wasn't that positive. And that's, and you know, that's really why that coach isn't there anymore. Um, It just wasn't the right feel for everybody involved. And, and for whatever reasons it separated. And I think it needed to, and to see the positive come back last year and, and really prove some of those players ability, right. I, I really enjoyed seeing. So, I, I'm eager to get into the season, starting out with this Madison game, you know, talk about make, hay. I think this is a make a game and Rockbridge and that's County, where next I, worry. Week, I think they need to open up with two and O oh, with, you know, two plus touchdown separations in each of those games and maybe more, uh, particularly in this Madison game.
0: That's where I worry. I, I have this first one. I, I put Stanton minus seven. Like I just, Oh, wow. I know Jeff raw is going to be a huge, huge player, but. I worry about how you get him the ball and make that work consistently. I think the defense will probably be okay, but my offensive concerns, this is the opposite of fort for me at fort. I worry about the defense at Stanton. I worry about the offense and I hope Mikey bell proves me wrong and gets the Stanton storm up to another six, seven win season and is terrorizing teams and making folks excited about the playoffs there again, because I think that's what's best for the community and, and the, the county as a whole. But yeah. I, I do worry. I think they'll win, but I do worry it's going to be a little bit closer than we think it should be.
1: Yeah, Madison isn't a team, you know, that's probably why I, I think they need to make hay, especially here, is because I just don't have a lot of faith in Madison. They're a team that only scored 22 points a game last year, gave up 26, 6-5 um, and five season, which they did get in the playoffs. It's not the Madison um, County show. Let's but, go.
0: we got to go. We're, we're spending way too much time. This is going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> I just, yeah. You don't like Madison County. You think Stanton will be fine. Yeah. I, I worry that Stanton is going to struggle. Okay.
1: Charlottesville and Wilson. Um, so Wilson, new coach Ryan bird. And, uh, we had him on the podcast last week and I mean, he did a great job selling me on how (laughs) great I think they're going to be this year. Um, they, I, you know, they're coming off a, a positive year and to hear him talk about how he's, you know, gelling with that team and, and his approaches on on how to handle that team, it just comes off as the as the right things. But I think in Blacksburg, I've had this for a year with my favorite team on earth of a coach that's coming in and trying to pick up and say positive things and different situations what they're walking into. But it comes to a point in every football season and it, and it starts around the end of August, beginning of September is – now it's time to see it. And so I really look forward to Ryan Bird having his first opportunity against Charlottesville, uh, a team that I think they should be able to beat. I know, um, you know, they come from a tough district, um, but this isn't some kind of huge team that I would just expect be good coming off a three and seven year um, with a head, new head coach. I think they're in a rebuilding mode and I know Wilson has – a rebuilding or a new coach, but I don't think they're in a rebuilding mode. I think a lot of that staff's the same. Uh, they're looking at Ronan Tabler to be at quarterback, um, who was on the field a whole bunch last year, getting 75 carries for 530 yards. Plus, um, you got Tyree back, you got the playmaker Mundy back, who is a playmaker and a bruiser. I, his strength really impressed me last year. So, for the overall look for Wilson, I, I'm not looking for a lot worse by any means. I'm looking at a team that finished 7-3 in the regular season, lost that playoff game. So I would like to see them kind of shooting in that same area and, and see if they can get to that you know, seventh win in time at the end of the season to maybe add on to that kind of thing. I, I'm really optimistic about them. I know they're replacing a the quarterback. But knowing how that flowed last year with Pregorski coaching his son, and I think the biggest thing we said last year was get him to stop turning over that ball. And I think we mostly saw that last year. I think the Spotswood game was a little bit not, and that's why that game went wrong, but a lot was, and that was good. And I think knowing that lesson and Ronan Tabler being there to see that lesson, I think it's easy to mold him into that and let them go and, and set that quarterback up for success and also get the ball to these weapons when the biggest names we're saying are also on the ground. It's not going to be the air show out at Wilson this year. I'm sure it's going to be part of the equation. They're going to try to find those pieces there. But uh, I do think um, – I, I just have faith in this coaching staff, setting them up for success based on what we heard last week. So I, I, I kind of put them in that 7-3 mark and um, crossing my fingers somehow somehow it could be better. Now, I, you know, that's me saying 7-3 is my hope and everything. Looking at a schedule that has T.A. and Spotswood in back-to-back weeks early, Riverhead still on that schedule, it makes it hard to do that. I mean, right there you could easily see those three losses – um, but if they're able to, you know, pick off a spot squid or something early, which I don't think is just terribly crazy, I, you know, what what can this team do with with an eight win regular season? Where can they be sitting in the playoffs if that's the case? So I do think the front half of their schedule is 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 the crunch time, and they'll be flying into the playoffs. I mean, you made this point. I'm not trying to steal this from you. I think that back half of the schedule sets up for them if if they have good performances even in some losses against those tough teams i think that back half of the schedule could set them up to be flying into the playoffs and if they're sitting in a nice playoff spot maybe win a playoff game and see what happens
0: yeah because like you mentioned i mean the front you, you get charlottesville first and i think honestly i think this schedule's perfect i think this is the perfect way for a team like wilson to build their schedule you get that first game if things aren't quite you know the, all the nuts and bolts aren't attached right on the the wheels on the bus you can you can have the wheel wobble a little bit get it corrected and still win that first game no problems against charlottesville but then then you get to ta spotswood western riverheads i think you beat western i you better i think with this kind of schedule yeah, they better um,
1: western. yeah. uh
0: but I, I i agree with you I, I think on friday night i said the ceiling was eight and, and the floor was six i thought they would win seven um I think it's a
1: nice tight window. Really?
0: I really don't see this team going five and five I, with this schedule. I just don't, because I think after that riverheads game, it's Stanton gap Fort Waynesboro draft. I think all of those are wins. I think this is preseason. And when we get to Friday night, I might, it might sound a little bit nicer. Um, but you'll get a more truthful version on this podcast. I think this is easily the second-best team in the Shenandoah district this year. I just think they're bringing I, – I know they did lose some, but I think they're going to bring enough back to where this team can build off the success they had last year. I think Coach Bird is going to have these guys absolutely keyed in and ready to roll. I think this is a team that if they're not second place in the Shenandoah district, they're going to be disappointed. Um, and I think, this is, I think this is a team that could easily win seven games. I think if they pick off either T.A., or Spotswood, this is an eight-win team. I it's. I, I don't think they win both of those games. I think it's easy to win one of those, maybe not both. And, and then I just, I don't, they're not the same level as Riverheads, so I don't see that game going well for them. But outside of that, like I said, I think every one of these games you could point at and say, yeah, we got a shot in these games. And honestly, the back half of the schedule, you look at those games and you say, we absolutely should win. And then you have a confident team going into the playoffs, and that's always dangerous.
1: I agree with you that they can they could beat T.A. or Spotswood. I I agree with that. And I, I guess I leaned at Spotswood first for some reason. But I, I agree with I you. I think that's
0: the more beatable let's, team. Yeah, but T.A.'s let, at home. Let's
1: say, let's imagine a scenario for a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I always do well with these with you. Imagine a scenario they beat them both. What are you saying going into that Riverheads game?
0: They're still losing to Riverheads, but they're 9-1, which is better than I thought they could ever be.
1: Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to hear that. I mean, I, if, if we get to that game and if for some, if
0: we'll if be Wilson there, finds
1: a way to do that.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll be there be at that
1: game. <laughs> we'll get there a day early. Cause that's going to be a big one. And uh, you know, remind us of the early 2010s there with those huge games between those two teams. But yeah, I, that would be interesting. Um, I mean, TA and Spotswood are who everybody's circling as the best two teams in the Valley district. So uh, having both of them early, You know, I love when the Shenandoah district can kind of tell the Valley district which district's better. Uh, So I like that Wilson is the team that's set up to to maybe do that because I have a lot of confidence in what they they have. Something that stuck with me since the interview last week was him talking about the different coaches. And he he was saying this in a way, um, not the way I took it, but uh, in a different way. But I take it as, like, listen to all these coaches that know this area, know high school football, and know who he is. And it's no question in their mind that he's got to be in this role and this is his spot. And this is a good opportunity for him. Like that really stuck with me. And I, in a way I, he's recognizing that, that's not what he was trying to beat his chest about last week with that, or he, he was not trying to beat his chest with that by any means. I think he was trying to you know, tell him the idea of having to be convinced that it was, you know, this is a big task to take on and being a head coach is a big deal. Um, but man, I take away a lot of experienced voices that are, are confident in what he's going to be able to do in this position. So it leaves me with the confidence that he could pick this team right up and, and keep it moving in the right direction.
0: I agree with you. And I think this week one game, I think they win this game by 27. I think they're going to absolutely yeah, this, house Charlottesville. I I agree. 20, 27's a That's a weird, long, nice number. that's a <laughs> long trip over Afton mountain to lose by four scores.
1: Send them back. That's fine. They come to Fishersville. I send them back. Um, all right, Waynesboro is our last one that we're going to talk about here. And uh, they're the team that last year at this point, hey, I I don't know how different the Wilson conversation we had last, just a minute ago, was that different than what we had about Waynesboro last year when we talked about how great they were at quarterback, how great they were at running back, and and how they really had things moving in the right direction. This is the feel-good story of the Shenandoah district, how they you know have come into the district, but they were just coming off of, you know, cancel a game for not having to play. And just the wheels fell off last year. I mean, it's a, you know, you couldn't even get through the story of how good they were before you already started saying, Oh, oh as they lost their first six games, um, they had a, a decent first half against Riverheads and then proceeded to end up giving 61 points up to them. And then Stewart's draft was the next game and it was tough. And then it just, it just got worse from there. Um, so you never saw what you wanted to out of Waynesboro this year. So gone with those headline names. But here leaves some weapons that we did see last year in the Cohen Wells kid, uh, the Cameron Newsome kid, um, the Cameron Wilson or Williams. I say, No, I said Cohen Wells, Cameron Williams kid. Both All three of those, I think, are important weapons for this team. Uh, Emerson Miller, I believe he was out with injury most of the year last year. I think we were at the game where he went out, mm-hmm. he should be back. So I'm really excited to see what these weapons can do to improve on one and nine. I'm not writing here of pick up where those guys left, the expectations left off from last year. That's not the story I'm telling here. I'm saying let's rebuild from the ground back up yep. and, and get back to a running game because last year they seemed to really explore that passing game because they had a good weapon at quarterback, but they they had the running back right there. I think they have enough running weapons this year that they can really sit in and and explore that running game in different ways and not just um, with one guy. That might help them, and that might also open up that passing game. I I heard sophomore Hayden Morris is expected to start there, so that'll be a young starter there, um, which was going to happen this year no matter who stepped in. So I'm I'm interested to see what they can do to build off one and nine. Can they find a couple wins in this um, schedule? to something to build off when you have a sophomore quarterback, when you have some other weapons that are juniors. I think that's an important thing that you want to do this year is, is take that step in the right direction to where maybe you are looking at a five and five season a year from now or something like that. So I think this is the transition year and you just want to see it transitioning the right way.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And you know, one and nine last year, I would, we talked about this Friday night too. I think the ceiling I gave them was three, and that's the first three games of the year. Um, I just don't see a district win in this team's future this season. I think they lost a lot, and last year, as we, as you touched on, was not a great season. Um, I touched on it several times last season, and we don't need to go back and hash through that again. But I, I just think if this team finds a win, it's in the first three weeks of the season with Allegheny, Monticello, or Broadway. Um, and I think it's unfortunate for a team that maybe needs to kind of figure out who these weapons are going to be. They're going to have to figure it out early if they want to get a win. Cause I think after that, you know, you're looking at TA. I don't think that's a win. I think gap is a nightmare matchup for them. I think Fort, if Fort's not as good as we think maybe, but I think Fort's going to be clicking oh. at that point in the season. Um, and I, I think that's a loss for Waynesboro, because I do think Fort's better, and I don't know if... I can't say Waynesboro is better. Then you get to the back half, where it's Draft Wilson, Riverheads, Stanton. I don't think so.
1: It's, it's hard to say... It's hard to say Waynesboro is better than last year because you know how good we thought they were going to be last well, year. Well, we knew
0: Blake Jones oh. was supposed to be really good. He had a great junior season. We know Ryan Barber was an absolute Collins monster.
1: Ball. Like He had talent.
0: Yeah, he Ryan talent. Barber's an absolute beast in the backfield. He's gone. Where Waynesboro was weakest last season was the offensive line. Do I think that's better? I don't know. I, I don't know if it could be worse, but it's it needs if to be. They
1: could have cloned Talon Henderson on his way out the door. That would have helped him,
0: right? But but that's the thing, right? Like there's a really good player on the line named Taylor Henderson, but everybody else around him just couldn't get it done. And now the good player leaves. Do I think this is better? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to have to be if yeah. they're going to find a. I think to find a win, they're going to have to be better than they were last year at the line. And I don't know if they are. I don't know if they're going to get that win. Rockbridge ain't on that schedule.
1: I have. I have strong hope they find a win in the first three and I'd really like to see two or three, like you were saying that, that yep. if you got to find those wins in those first three, do they get all three? I don't know if they do. That might be a nice, a nice kind of signal that they get it. And, um, but yeah, the rest of the schedule is pretty tough. So, um, yeah, this game though, again, Allegheny Highlands, I, I think Allegheny say wins. About that team, <laughs> we don't know anything about them. They're the combination of Allegheny Uh, high school and Covington high school. We know minimal about him. We know will fields was the coach at Allegheny. He'll take over this football team. And um, I guess Chris Jones from Covington. I'm not sure. not sure where he's at now. Um, We'll have to see if he shows up on that roster. or He's elsewhere. Um, So it'll be a new matchup. It'll be interesting to see. Waynesboro will go on the road for that game. And then they get the two home games against Monticello and Broadway. And like I said, those that's where you're hunting for wins. And um, I'm hopeful for him, you know, Hated seeing where this program was, and I was really hopeful they were going to really shoot up out of it. and And last year was a disappointment. I think this is the way they can turn it positive is this year and find some wins early. and 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 it might be a story of early wins, but then what? But I, it's still better than no wins. And we've seen too many of those no wins
0: from Waynesboro in the last twenty years. Yep, so. I agree. I I do think this is a team that, and, and again, we don't know anything about Allegheny, but the fact is. Allegheny by itself wasn't good. Covington by itself wasn't good. But when they combine those teams, do you get enough good players to, to then make a team that is somewhat, uh, that's not the word I want to use. Um, somewhat, (laughs) somewhat successful enough to get some wins that they wouldn't have gotten by themselves. And I think, yes, I think, unfortunately for Waynesboro, I think they're going to be a victim of one of those teams that separate, I think Waynesboro could beat both of those teams combined. I don't know if Waynesboro can beat that team. Yeah. It's like when we say about Riverheads, I I think the Shenandoah district could have an all-star team and play Riverheads and they wouldn't win. I I, kind of think that
1: there's been some of those years. There has been some of those years. Yep. This, this might be one of them too. I don't know. All right, let's uh, quickly talk on some baseball. Uh, just because I want to highlight the, my favorite story of the year, the Yankees have just lost eight in a row and uh, are now sixty and sixty-four. So everybody that's just saying, "Well, they're in a really hard division," and blah blah, well, this is the year that not everybody plays the same number. You don't play your division more than you play other teams. And uh, I think the only bad news out of this is going to be really bad news to you is that yeah. I don't. Know, I don't think Aaron Boone survives this. I, I don't think know that's how that's going to be your, your biggest disappointment.
0: Yeah, I don't know how he survives. I was really rooting for him in that Boston series uh, because I would like to see Boston finish last for a lot of reasons. But mainly because I think that is something Aaron Boone could point to and say, look at all the injuries I had. And, you know, it was just a really tough year. And, you know, we had this thing going on with this guy who got suspended that we weren't planning on and blah, blah, blah. And I still managed to, you know, in a very tough division have a winning record, blah, blah, blah. Um, He's going to get fired. I think both New York managers yeah. get I've, fired. Both
1: New York teams.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bucks, yep. Buck is gone because you can't have that roster. The problem is they'll
1: come back to ESPN and we'll have to, I'll start having his uh, boys more geez, often. Jeez, that'll be the worst. Yeah. The positive story, well, I find that positive, but positive for the team that we're talking about. Mariners just won six in a row and they find themselves sitting in a wild card spot uh, blocking out a couple AL East teams like the Toronto Blue Jays there. So... Uh they're on a roll. And uh Jay Rod is hitting right now.
0: Yeah, the Blue Jays are uh they might be in trouble. That they was might, a team they're that not
1: heading the right direction. They're yeah, tending right.
0: And and this is a team that I think I I have to go back and listen to what we said in the MLB season preview, but this is a team that every year I'm told. And this is how you feel about the Miami Hurricanes is how I feel about the Toronto Blue Jays. Every year, oh, man, this team is so loaded with talent. They're going to be so great. They're going to be the surprise team of Major League Baseball. And in my head, I'm like, they're going to be surprising, all right, for you because they're not going to be in the playoffs. Like, it's a team that more years than not just doesn't put it together. They've got a lot of great young players. They just don't seem to put it together and win consistently. And it's starting to look like they might be on the wrong side of that playoff bubble. The Mariners are playing well. Um, I was very glad to see the Orioles take two games in that series uh, last weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a very good baseball team, and they're they're playing very well. They've they've got a very good rotation, which is what makes them dangerous.
1: Moving over to college football, I assume by the time this gets posted or soon after it gets posted, um, that we will know that the Virginia tech quarterback, I assume it's going to be Wells. I, I think that's my, I that was my comment. I think I've raced. It with spoiler alert. It's going to be Wells. <laughs> I don't see how they put drones in the starting quarterback position right now. I'm not saying Wells just, you know, proved last year that he deserves to be a returning starter, but everything I've read and seen from the off season, it just sounded like he was better. And I'm not saying drones was terrible. I'm not saying I'm saying this in a way where when drones does come in, I'm saying, uh Oh, but I just think, especially early, I think, you go with the guy with more on-field experience that has looked better in practice, who has shown you, he knows the offense a little bit better. So I'm just going to, you know, assume that's who we're going to name as quarterback here in the next 48 hours and and preview it that way and say, I get it. I mean, that's, that's really the only thing to say. I get it. I'm not saying that makes me happy. I'm not saying anything that we could say is, well, that's the same as last year is what I want to hear. I don't, I don't want that, but I get it. And so uh, hopefully He's made improvements, hopefully the people around him that have improved. Um, you know, it seems like we we have more talent or at least players in this system another year are getting better. I, I'm hoping it pays off and, and he looks a lot better because he left some things to be desired last year. But uh, that's that's what we're expecting here is Virginia Tech to name that quarterback here at the beginning of the week.
0: I think you're probably right. Um, I don't know.
1: I just, like, I, I guess my, I get it. Is like, it's not that I'm yeah. like stamping. I'm not excited, like, I but yeah, I I, I yeah. I think again. that's
0: a great, that's a great way to put it. I get it. It's fine. I don't care. I, I do care, but <sighs>
1: <laughs> wait, it's not like you have a better answer? It's no, like you can like, you no, know, convince me that we should have drones, and you don't have it, so like, we just take what we got and hopefully find some. <laughs> and drones. honestly, it's just like,
0: it's just like I would like to see Grant Wells drop back and have three seconds to throw the ball that would yeah, be cool it's not just him yep yep um
1: uh, we'll talk yeah. a lot
0: oh i go ahead go ahead i was gonna move it to the michigan move it the michigan uh wolverines have imposed a three-game ban on jim as self-imposed uh due to some recruiting violations or rule breaking during the covid period uh that was discovered uh, and in case you're worried for Michigan, don't, um, the three games are East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling green, <laughs> they're going to win all those games yeah. by 30 points with or without Jim Harbaugh,
2: and they could suspend him for the
0: first team. five games and not be worried. Cause after that it's Rutgers and Nebraska.
1: When they're in the in the college football playoff, it'll just be like a distant memory. Actually, they'll probably the media'll probably turn it as like overcoming the early season.
0: That's what uh, I hate. Self imposed ban. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, don't forget they didn't have they deserved. the deserved. They didn't have their head coach yeah. for East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, and still found a way to win. Great. Yeah, because they
1: have quadrupled the talent of all those teams. There's a there's an all star. Situate. Take those teams, get an all-star team, make it worth four wins, and just play them once.
0: They would not win that game. Yep. Oh, you've got breaking news for us here?
1: I got breaking news moving up to the NFL level. Uh, It's the only preseason story I even care to talk about right now. The uh, Commanders just took down the Ravens in preseason football, ending the years-old streak of the Ravens. How – How heartbroken are you, Joe, that the Ravens are no longer the Kings of preseason?
0: I say this every time we win. I hate it. I wish that streak would end so we'd stop talking about it because I could give a bleep about it. It's over. Thank goodness. I'm so glad that kicker made that kick. I don't want that stupid thing. Having it's so dumb. It's the dumbest thing we talk about.
1: I don't know. We don't talk about it. We've never mentioned it. Well, that's true. I'm saying we as it. in a society.
0: It it. It's the dumbest thing is we as a society talk about in the United States. Well, <laughs> oh, the Ravens have twenty nine 29 game, game, straight games, won in the preseason. When we beat the Eagles, I was like, damn it. Because when I yeah. left the place, we it's, were losing. And then somehow we came back and won. And I was like, great. And then <laughs> this one, we were winning most of the night. And I was like, damn it. We're going to get 30 wins. And people are going to be pooping themselves over this and then yeah it's finally it ended. obviously it
1: doesn't relate to regular season super bowl wins by any means
0: well i mean we have won a super bowl but yeah we've won two but in that stretch i don't know
1: in that stretch i can't do math right now
0: i it's 11:30 i am not doing math i didn't sign up for that <laughs> um but yeah it's over good we can move on to things that actually matter and not play our starters during this thing
1: let's take it to the d block um i'm gonna let you just start out negative like you have you like you usually do in the d block somewhere uh-huh and complain about the thing i think you complained about the last three weeks anyway so hit it again joe
0: well it's he can't stay out of the news don't let the fact that the orioles might win 100 games for the first time since 1980 surprise you john angelos is still a jerk um he didn't do his interview with the Baltimore Sun because he knows the Baltimore Sun would have actually asked follow-up questions. So he goes to that uh, rag of a paper that has ink stains on it, the New York Post, and gives them an interview so the guy won't ask him tough questions. Uh, Leland's not even listening, so he won't even be able to hear this, which is fine. Um,
1: I'm listening. He went to the rag
0: of the New York Post. I can hear you. Okay, well, I wasn't sure how loud, I wasn't sure how loud the headset was up, um, but basically crying poor uh poor john angelos just you know if if we got to see his books that he volunteered back in january and then when the baltimore sun actually showed up at the warehouse and said we would like to see those books you offered uh all of a sudden the books were not available anymore for viewing um he told us again in the new york post this week uh today that if we were to see the books we just you would understand that the orioles can't pay their players 200 million dollars or they would be underwater and you know, it, he's, you know, scraping pennies together to make this professional franchise work in the city of Baltimore that has been there for decades, that his father bought for $173 million in 1993. He's cobbling it together. It's valued at $1.7 billion now, but he's cobbling together a living to make this team survive. And I feel bad for him now. I, I know I said a lot of mean things about him last week and said that, you know, the best thing that could happen would be he's no longer affiliated with the team and the city. Um, I may have called him a parasite. If not, I've definitely thought it. Um, I I feel bad about that now. Um, He's obviously really struggling and, you know, I don't want to see him struggle anymore. So, uh, you know, it's obviously not working out. Uh, Owning an MLB franchise is obviously such a giant money pit. Just sell the team. I mean, you could get you could get the 1.7 billion. That's what they're. That's what the net worth of the team is. So you could probably get two billion for the Baltimore Orioles, and then that solves all your money problems. You can go off, live a happy life. You know what? Why don't you sell it to that guy who's already got one money pit in the Baltimore Ravens and Steve Buscotti? Because I honestly, Leland, I would love that. If if tomorrow I wake up, John Angelos sells the Baltimore Orioles because he's tired of people picking on him and bullying him. And he feels really bad. Let me tell you folks, if John Angelos ever says he was bullied and feels is, you know, got mental health issues because of being bullied about his time as owner, that will be when bullying has worked. That will be a positive example of bullying because that man absolutely should be bullied. I know I just said, I felt bad for him. That was a lie. John Angelos, let me tell you, nobody in the city of Baltimore feels bad for you. If you feel bullied, good. I want you to feel bullied for the rest of your days. I want you to sell this team and get the hell out of Baltimore and never come back. They shouldn't let you back in the state of Maryland. If you cross the state border, they should immediately arrest you and throw you in jail. He is trying to bilk the state of Maryland for even more tax money than the Baltimore Ravens get. And let me tell you, buddy, you've blown it. Your dad blew it when he was the owner, and you're blowing it even more because you're a dumb son too. You're a Nepo baby who's an absolute fool. You have no talent when it comes to knowing how to run a Major League Baseball organization. And the day you sell the team will be the only popular decision you have ever made as a team owner. That will be the only time the people of Baltimore celebrate you is when you get the hell out. He wants to build over parking lots for some great, you know, enterprise like they have in Atlanta or Texas and, you know, around the Cowboys and the Rangers Park of all these businesses and bars because it would make him money. Then he could talk about how he couldn't afford the team because I got to run all these businesses. How could I afford to pay my players? I'm going to have to raise prices in the stadium if I have to pay my players $200 million. Well, by all means, don't do what the Atlanta Braves did and sign them while they're cheaper. Don't sign them to long-term deals now. Just wait till their contracts run out and then sit there and go, well, I can't pay him half a billion dollars. I guess they're going to be free agents. So I got news, Baltimore fans, and this is why like, I feel bad for Michael Elias. He's in a no-win situation. You don't want to blow up the team because you want to keep some semblance of a competitive roster. So you don't want to blow up the farm system. But you're never going to win a World Series that way. As much success as the Tampa Bay Rays have, they have never won a World Series. And I don't know if they will until they start actually upping the payroll a little bit and getting the occasional big big salary player to go with those young guys. um, And that's going to be the Baltimore Orioles or go
1: after it when you have your shot. Yeah. Like that's going to be the Baltimore
0: Orioles. you know. got to go after it. And that's why like during this Adley Gunner, Westberg, Grayson core, like go for it. If that means we got to trade some players that are further down the prospect pipeline, then trade them. I, you need to go for it. Now. I don't want to hear about what, what are we going to do in 10 years? I'll worry about 10 years in 10 years. All right,
1: uh, I mean, I was by Maryland. I could have picked them up for you and taken them all out because I was in and out of that state uh, this weekend, uh, driving. That I think it's what's dominating my life is driving. I have like a lot of road trips uh, recently and coming up into some odd locations. I know you're living on the road, but uh, you're tearing up the same stretch of sixty four every week. Um, see, I'm I'm doing that two different occasions here uh, coming up, but I also am venturing went to ocean city and fought that traffic on a Thursday afternoon coming out through DC and across that Bay bridge. And it was a mess. And it's only got me worried about the next trip that I have to make in that direction. I think I need to leave now for it. And it's weeks away Um, because it's just, that's just was a terrible stretch. So I'm trying to figure out how to avoid that. If someone has a trick, let me know Uh, because that one's supposed to happen on a Friday afternoon. And I'm much more worried about that one. Coming home was much better. I was worried about the Sunday morning, um, Sunday during the day traffic. So we got ahead of it, which was a big deal. So uh, I know when I'm leaving my trip to that direction the next time I go, but I just don't, I'm not sure when I need to leave to avoid it other than go in the middle of the night, which won't really work for the event we're heading to. So um, that's what dominated my life. But the, what I know that you need to know uh, is in the domination department justified have you been watching the new one
0: i watched the first two episodes i have not seen anything since i need to catch up
1: it's a different feel and as much as you and i have brought up justified talking about the old you know the regular series that they had and we both enjoyed it so much and and my wife and i enjoy it a lot and do re-watches um this one has a different feel for sure yeah. and you picked up on that in the first two episodes not bad i'm not saying it's different and not worth watching i i think it's still entertaining it's still um good to see that character and you know is it growth or lack of growth and 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 the positions he puts himself into and the way he handles um law and all that it it makes it interesting (laughs) um but if you haven't been watching for other people or and i i would this is what i'm aiming at you uh now that you're busier than ever yeah uh, with your traveling for vcu um you know i would recommend catching up because i think it's the last two episodes um, second to last episode this week, last episode next week. So this uh, this week is kind of a good week to binge if you're able. You might not be able to, Joe. But um, to catch up, so you hit that final at the right time. Um, because I do think it's worth watching. I'm not trying to overstate that it's some magnificent piece of television, but I do think it's worth watching if you like the original Justified. It's time to catch up. And time to get to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do enjoy it. And the first two episodes I thought were good. I mean, the Without spoiling anything, the daughter makes some poor life choices and in those first two episodes where I'm like, this is gonna be really hard to feel bad for her when something inevitably goes south. Just when I'm watching, that's what's going through my head. But Sure. Um I, don't I, have I comments do comments
1: on the storyline. Yep.
0: I you don't you want first two episodes? Yep, I, I do wanna <laughs> I do wanna watch it um and, and catch up. It's just been a thing of I've got a pick and uh, when I'm stressing out and trying to f- type all these notes and reading whatever the latest stupid thing Johnny Angelos has said in the media is um, I need a comedy measuring. Yeah. How far it is
1: to the sun. Yeah. I'm like,
0: Oh, the sun's <laughs> not that far, John. I think you can make it. Um, if you leave today, I bet you can make it by tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's just, I try to watch a comedy, and so I've been catching up on a... what we do in the shadows, uh, an FX show that is on Hulu that I think is very funny, and um, finished Righteous Gemstones, which I thought was funny as well. So. Um, that has left very little time for anything else. And my brother and I are still rewatching Archer, trying to get ready for the last season of that, which I think is already started or is about to start. So. You want me to go again? Because this is going to be another not great story. It's, well, it's going to have brief highlights of good, but lots of bad. No,
1: I was saving this for last because it would come back to sports and get out with something that we have were talking about, but okay. I stopped watching, I guess. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, no, you. I do have a question because you were talking about Chesapeake Bay. Was it bridge or tunnel?
1: Okay. We were on the Bay Bridge from okay, between so you D.C. Didn't have to the and Maryland. We didn't go down to Virginia Beach and come up oh, to that's the right. Eastern Shore that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are considered. it's it's a consideration on because that's a that's there's two ways. Yeah. There's two ways of getting where we need to go without going to Delaware is one of those two bridges. Uh there's no tunnel the way I went this time. Uh there is on the south end. Sure. Um but then the roads are just terribly boring the other way. It does add time and also, if you try to go down to the Chesapeake Bay tunnel and bridge situation, you're still fighting traffic in 757. Yeah, can we can talk
0: about there. this? Because this comes up because it's a different kind of tunnel, right? You're not going underwater, but you're still going in a giant tunnel. And you have that problem in Pittsburgh. I, I left that out on the Pittsburgh trip. The The part I don't understand, and I, I don't know if you yourself will be able to explain it to me, but maybe one of our listeners can. Why does everybody come to a complete stop and freak out in a tunnel
1: because there's no like left or right for them to go to. It's stupid. I, I know, but it's like, they, they get that, that feel, but they, they tell you don't switch right, lanes, so stay in
0: your out. lane, keep going. Yeah, stay in your lane. Yeah. It's a key. Stay in your lane I, and just drive, know. just drive folks. It's not that I, hard. And I, I the, feel the Chesapeake, i like confident driver. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Sorry. So
1: I didn't have those issues, but like, <laughs> it does i'll say like it does feel different i'm driving a rented vehicle this past week a 12 passenger rented Whoa. vehicle well that to be- where when you get on that one of those where you got walls on both sides or, or something and especially this bridge they have two bridges so it's obviously one's the old ones one's the new one but they have it to where they can adjust traffic patterns where like mm-hmm. one of the lanes on the one bridge can be the opposite and i picked up on what was going on there coming in through those traffic and i was like i'm gonna go over here where we're all headed the same direction Mm -hmm. rather than go over here where I have two or a couple lanes. I'm not sure what it was at the time uh, or like when I was making the decision, I don't want a wall and things shooting right at me. So I went with, we're all, (laughs) all the sheep were headed in the same direction instead of me, you know, watching headlights coming at me (laughs) while I have a wall on the other side. I mean, I'll say, I I think I'm a competent driver. Having the wall right there does make you think. um, But also I don't, I blow past it. I just, I, I drive with more confidence than that. And uh, yeah, people are stupid, I guess is the answer to that.
0: It's just the part that just frustrates me to no end. And like, they'll come to a complete stop and they'll be like, I'm, I'm scared. I can't go into this tunnel. And I'm like, well, bad news. Like, I don't know what you thought was going to happen when you got to this tunnel, but it's not on the water. Like you do have to go into the water. We're talking about the Chesapeake Bay bridge now, or even Allegheny, you know, they, they come to that, Complete stop, and, and they're like, oh, "I'm going inside the mountain in this tunnel. I can't see the other side." And I'm like, "I mean, good lord! Like, it's yeah. it's just driving." And, and honestly, in both of those scenarios, I know people are like, "Well, what if it collapses? Then you're dead. Don't worry about it. You'll be dead. Oh, it yeah, you, you'll never know. You'll never know. You'll be dead. I'm telling you. You guys thought the Titanic. Have you seen those clips? Have you seen those clips on the Ch- Chesapeake where the tunnel's leaking?" Yeah, that wouldn't make me feel great, but... How how does that work? I don't even know how, like, that's... It
1: was leaking, and now it's not. Like, I don't understand any aspect of it.
0: I don't get that, that, but I'm not going to question it. I just
1: thought that would be, like, a pressure, and it's gone, and it's, like, space where it's, like, instant gone, like...
0: But but to that point, right? Like, if the bridge does collapse all the way, or the tunnel collapses all the way, like, and people are like, oh, what if the ocean comes in, and all... I was talking to one person one time who was like, Oh, I'd just be terrified the ocean would get me. And then I would be like, have to get out of my car. And I'd be like, Oh, no, you would be dead. You wouldn't have to worry about getting out of your car. You You wouldn't have to worry about those decisions. Yeah. You're dead. And they're like, Oh, no, no, no. And I was like, Yes. And this is before the Titanic sub meme, but like, that's you. You will be absolutely just crushed into a tiny little thing that they don't even find you. Like, you're just gone. Into story. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Like just and honestly, drive. Drive. If you're if that's your fear, you should you should absolutely safely but be as close as safely possible to the person behind you and just be going. Cause stopping isn't gonna get that problem solved any quicker. Getting through the tunnel gets that problem solved quicker. Or do us do the rest of us a favor and don't go to the tunnel at all. Because when you drive 25 in the tunnel, it just makes everyone else insane me included whether i'm driving or not that's something that when i'm a passenger i get mad i'm like what this is these people vote these people breathe i don't (laughs) know how they made it this far like just the worst and i get the walls you saying the walls i get because there are times like when i went to northern virginia and i was they're doing the construction and it's like no shoulder on either side and i do get it like i even feel myself like Tuck my arms in like that's gonna make me smaller. um But I mean, and I'm a big
1: guy, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I also am like, okay, I just gotta get through this. Like, I don't freak out and stop and no, yeah, be the person who holds up traffic. So yeah,
1: yeah, I might bring it back down to eighty or something, you know?
0: Right, you know. <laughs> but let's talk about the sports All thing. Right. The Women's let's World Cup final happened at five a.m. on. Sunday, and if you missed it, uh, Spain, ended up, you Spain ended up beating England <laughs> 1-0, um, which is Spain's first Women's World Cup title ever. The player who scored the winning goal, Olga Carmona, the uh, only goal of the match, learns shortly after the match is over that her dad passed away before the match. And it's just one of those wow. things where yeah, you're I'm like, gonna... gosh, this crowning achievement in your life is immediately dampened by this news like that absolutely sucks and you just feel awful for and then sadly that is not the saddest story involving spain winning the world cup because one of the presidents of the fa in spain uh whose name i believe is rubiales uh Kisses puts during the walkthrough, the players, you know, this is the same as the Men's World Cup, if you've ever seen that. But if you haven't seen either one, the players get a medal, shake hands. Um, There was players who purposely did not shake the hands of the FIFA president who, before this Women's World Cup, made a showed his behind when he said, Women's equality, all you guys have to do is do the work yourself. Great. Not the guy in charge who could actually solve the problems. this is on you women. you do it with the zero power you have. And so when they say, hey, we want to be paid more equally and have you know better facilities, um, the FIFA president doesn't show up until this World Cup final because he's on vacation. something he did not do during the men's World Cup. Um, because you know, he cares. Um, but anyway, so there were players who did not purposely stiffed him. Um, but then one player gets to the Spanish federation president and he grabs her face with both hands and kisses her on the lips in an absolute cringe moment when it happened. Stays cringy, um, absolutely inappropriate. The player later in the locker room, the other players are seeing the video on the phone, like rewatching it. Um, she is trying to laugh it off, but to say, I didn't like it. Uh, super weird. Again, this is also with the backdrop of the Spanish FA and the players having back and forths over the coach who was uh, not part of the celebration, which was pretty noticeable uh, with the players after the win. um And just the treatment of the players from that coach, various sexual harassment claims. Obviously, the Spanish FA president kissing a player on the lips during the celebration does not help those claims. Um, And the Spanish FA came out and said, this is... Something that was, you know, in the passion of celebration. He knows he made a mistake, but it's, you know, been picked up, and so we have to uh, make this statement. To to be fair enough, uh, it, with his
1: apology, if you want to call it that, uh, he says, "I have to apologize." So mm-hmm. I guess that's what turns this into an apology. Um, he said in a video broadcast by the Federation Monday, Monday afternoon. Again, more quotes probably i made a mistake so that <laughs> not probably that phrase there Definitely. will make me think that he, he does not know that he made a mistake <laughs> that he acknowledges there's a chance that he made a mistake and uh, it's more likely that he did than didn't make a mistake but he's still i guess doing his own research from from way this seems so
0: yeah it wasn't great and um not nope, good <laughs>
1: probably made a mistake
0: this is also this was before the celebration when the final whistle blows and the team wins he's still up in the box with this fifa president by the way and a member of the spanish royal family which i learned is still a thing um she's a 16 year old queen and he is celebrating by uh grabbing his junk and celebration there which i was like dude i didn't know yeah that's so, you know, if if we were playing press your luck, he, ar- he had already whammied there and was like, I'm going to press my luck and uh, does this. And so it's a double whammy. Uh, you would think that would be enough to get him fired. But who knows? Because uh, apparently, I-, I already know how this is going to go. The the board at the Spanish FA is going to be like, wait, we just won the Women's World Cup. Why are we going to get rid of our president and our coach that the players hate? Um this works, obviously. Um, I'm not saying that every time the players say the coach is a problem, the coach has to go. Um, I think it depends on what the problems are. I-, I would say that given the behavior of everyone involved in the Spanish FA, the players might have legitimate gripes here. Um, and by might, I mean definitely have legitimate gripes here. Just like probably did something wrong, definitely did something wrong. Um <laughs> It's. It takes away from what is a great story for these women. They worked really hard to win this Women's World Cup, the first ever in the nation's history. It's a great story for Spain. It's a great story for these women who worked really hard to get here and had to overcome a lot of good teams to do so. On that happy note, <laughs> make sure you subscribe on Podbean, Google Podcast, Spotify, so you don't miss another episode. We'll be talking about week one of of the high school football season. The recap. We'll actually be able to talk about what actually happened next week in some of these games. Uh, I know high school volleyball is going to be starting soon too. um, So we'll be recapping that some more. Um, And we will be talking about the high school sports that you, the Augusta County sports fan cares about, as well as I suppose we'll be able to do a college football preview too. Um, We will. Hopefully we'll know who the starter is. We will by then. But we'll bring on a guest
1: that definitely will have stuff to say about it either way. So be good.
0: Man, I'm not feeling it about that. But um <laughs> I Hey, we only have to improve on three wins. But you know <sighs> I know I said looking at their and schedule. No, and I look at that schedule and that's the first the first thing that pops in my head is eight wins. And then I'm like, wait. Maybe six.
1: We're, we aren't we. Yeah. I hope for a bowl game. I'm really hoping for a bowl game. I'll say more <laughs> about that next week.
0: Yeah. And JMU plays, so you know, whatever. Um we'll do them too. They play UVA soon. Um but again, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. That's the one. They, I haven't had friends. an Apple thing for a while. Yeah. Most of you do. Apple Podcasts were on there too. Um, tell your friends and subscribe so you don't miss another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. For Lila McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Unless you're John Angelos, in which case, lose this podcast.
2: You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County Sports Podcast.